This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So, the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome to the Chelsea Fancast, fueled by Guinness, powered by Celery, the show that always likes to keep its sheets clean. <laughs> now, Chelsea bagged all three points uh, in a 1-0 win against the Cherries on Saturday and in truth dominated the match. Very frustrating then that they put us through the ringer by not burying Bournemouth well before the final whistle. At this stage of the season, it's all about the three points, though, and getting a winning run together. Keeping clean sheets will be vital to this, but so will a fit and firing Eden Hazard, and it was great to see him pulling the strings on Saturday. He just needs to do it every week, and we will be there or thereabouts come the end of the season if he does. Now, I am Stanford Chidge, and the name of tonight's show is... Hello, Daddy. Hello, Mum. I'm your ch-ch-ch-ch-cherry bomb. The Chelsea Fancast 402. <clears throat> With due deference to the wonderful Runaways, who were a great <laughs> band from the 70s, and uh, begat uh, Joan Jett. So there you go, the wonderful Joan Jett. Um, okay, I've got some lovely people in the house tonight. Um, I've, I've certainly got somebody that I haven't seen for a while, but we'll get onto, uh, onto it in a bit uh, later. But of course, before we do that, it is the lovely Jonathan Kidd who uh, aids and abets this insanity for the next two hours. How lovely to be aiding and abetting. Chidge, was, does Joan Jett, I love rock and roll, put another dime in the she jukebox, was. baby? That was yeah, her, wasn't that's it? That's the one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the one. Good stuff. Yeah. yeah. Lovely to be here, as always, Chidge. With, with such excellent Yank- guests, as always, Chich. Well, indeed. I think the Yanks will, will quite like the uh, the Runaways little intro that we did, but we shall no doubt so- uh, find out sooner or later. We've also got, of course, the return, uh, this time not half, uh, just one half of the Smut Buddies, but the absolutely delightful, wonderful genius that is Alexandra Churchill, also known as the girl who likes balls. Chidge! Lovely. Lovely to love you too. And uh, you've been on Holly Bobs, haven't you? I have. I've been road tripping. Yeah, you have a nice uh, time. 
Yeah, yeah, I did. It's like, although it was quite funny listening to everybody in Florida bitch about it only being like 26 degrees Celsius and walking around shivering with their fleeces on. Just wanted to shake them and go, are you mad? Yeah, yeah. It's a bit brass monkeys today in good old England, though. They put the clocks back and suddenly it's winter. How did that happen? I know. Well, I walked into Sainsbury's and it was like Christmas bomb in the face as well. So. Oh, no, no. God preserve us from that. Um, anyway, uh, last but by no means least, a great friend of mine uh, and a fan cast of some years standing. But we, we don't see him very often, so it's a rare treat when we have him on board. Um, Seb O'Mahony. Evening, Chase. Evening, everyone. It's, um, yeah, it's good to be back. It's uh, I think last time I was with... Um... I think it was with Joe Tweeds at the end of back end of last season. So yeah, it's been a oh. long time, and I've been in and out of the country quite a lot. So you know, it's good to be back. Good stuff. How's the football agenting going? Yeah, well, like, like I just said, it's been in and out of the country every two, three weeks to sort wow. of get ready for the January window and for next summer. Really, it's 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 never ending, really, regardless of what the the window say. There we go. That's what your 10%'s all for, mate. You see, yeah. you have to work for it. Um, uh, brilliant to have you on the show, Seb. As I said, it's been far too long since we've had your uh, wonderful company, and we shall more than make up for that tonight. And on the show tonight, we will be praising Eden Hazard for bombing the cherries, and uh, we'll be asking, does he need to do this consistently for Chelsea to prosper this season? In part two, we asked whether keeping clean sheets will be vital in putting a winning streak together, and was Rudiger replacing Cahill merely rotation? Or was it something else? And we look forward to the Roma Champions League match, which is tomorrow night, which is Tuesday, which is Halloween. I hope that is not portentous. Um, in other words, let's hope Roma don't play any tricks or treats on us, but let's, let's, we, can, we can flog that one to death later. Uh, now, this is much, much more important. This is fantastic. In part three, the entire part of part three, uh, we've got an interview which uh, I recorded with the wonderful uh, former Chelsea star of uh, Jonathan and my youth, uh, Alan Hudson. Uh, largely because he's uh, re- having his wonderful book, uh, The Working Men's Ballet, which is a classic, classic book, one of the best football autobiographies written, period. And that is, as you know, because I've been plugging it on the show for the last few weeks, but that's uh, uh, not kind of, it's kind of being launched this Wednesday. Anyway, I, ta- I talked to Alan for about half an hour earlier today, and he's in cracking form, and he had lots to say about the book and lots to say about the current Chelsea side, so please enjoy that. Uh, and then to wrap it all up, in part four, we've got the usual kind of roundup of the latest Chelsea supporter news. Alice will, Alice, Alex will tell us all about her her walk to Petra, which uh, saves me and Jonathan having to read out the blog that she put up, which she probably doesn't know that we've been reading out. But there you go. Um, other than that. Uh, we've got fans three absolutely fantastic emails from uh, Nate Piacentino, if I've pronounced that right. Uh, the wonderful Graham Harvey, uh, Blind Lemon Harvey on Twitter, for those that know him. And uh, Andrew Whitock. So that much to look forward to in a very packed and crowded show tonight. Uh, of course, don't forget, you can listen to the show live, live, live. Every live. Monday night. At se- live. Uh, every live. Monday night, 7 o'clock. Uh, of course, for those of you who've been waiting for an hour uh, in Mixler, you Yankees probably, uh, we actually uh, put the clocks back an hour yesterday, so sorry about that. Uh, but anyway, get in there, 7 o'clock on Monday evenings in Mixler, mixlr.com forward slash Chelsea hyphen fancast. And of course, you can join in the chat, in the lovely chat room that we have, and there are loads of you in there already. We know and love you all, but to read a few of them, we've got the lovely Yaron Levy from Israel, Andy Silverman from Chelsea itself. Dean Mears, CFC UK, esteemed CFC UK writer, or scribe as Marco likes to call them. 
Benji Toe, Bob Uzray, Nicky Kilduff, John Chips, Chiverton, Andrew Self. The you the regulars are all in there. Rob Rob Coombs in there. Lovely Mr. Kurt. There you go. Loads of you in there tonight. Always great to see you. Let's hope we have a belting show. I'm sure we will. We'll be back in a second to start it properly. Okay, um, so 1-0 against Bournemouth, you know, um, all jolly good, three points and all that. But before we get into all that, I kind of really want to talk about um, Eden Hazard, because really he was the star of the show. Um, very nice to see him being the star of the show, of course. And it was his first Premier League goal this season. So I think the first question really, you know, are, are we? it was a very dominant display by him. I thought he pulled the strings uh, and all of that. And, you know, he's he's had a bit of a... A flighty start to the season, I think, Jonathan. But is he kind of back now? Is it, are, we, are we seeing Hazard kind of getting back to his best? I mean, the Roman performance as well, I thought was very good the other week. Well, he did break his ankle, didn't he? And uh, so you've yeah, got to give exactly. him the fact that uh, he was recovering from that. But that was easily his best performance. And uh, you really require him to do that uh, every game if he, if he because he's that good. And we expect it of him, really. So when he does go missing, uh, there always needs. There's always a reason. I think. I think we're a bit hard on him occasionally. When I think he's injured if he's not involved, uh, because, because mm. when he's when he's when he's at his best, he's he's doesn't matter what the opposition is. Um, he's uh, he's right in there. He was a bit invisible at the start of the game, as they all were. It all got. It took us a bit of time to get going. But then it makes you realise how. Uh, how completely um, world-class he can be. I mean, having said that, it is only Bournemouth, but um, uh, some of the moves that he and Pedro um, were uh, putting together, I really like him playing with Pedro. I think that's... uh, um, uh, Particularly when when Pedro's playing well, it makes you realise what an excellent player Pedro is as well. Um, And also the speed of Morata, even though I still think Morata's slightly injured. But yeah, I thought... uh, um, I thought Edin, as the bloke at the Chelsea announcer calls him, um, I don't know why, considering that I don't know how he gets to Edin from from uh, Eden or Edon, as he probably is in uh, in, in in Belgium. Um, but yeah, it was um, it was a terrific performance, and as was uh, generally the dom- dominance was superb, led by him. Mm. I mean, he was. I have to say, I thought that possibly Dave was my man of the match. I thought Dave was back to his best. Yeah, but, he was. Uh, he was. But, um, we'll, we'll get on to the. We'll get on to that eventually. But but yeah, yeah. But tell, I, tell I, you what I, really I like. Thought, yeah. Tell yeah. you what I like. What I like. I just heard you say something that I, I totally and utterly approve of. Actually, and and talking about Pedro, um, but I thought I thought actually the movement between Pedro and Morata and Hazard was absolutely superb. And they picked that up yeah. on Match of the Day. Funny enough, but I've got to be honest, Jonathan. I am really beginning to fall in love with Pedro. I think he's a hell of a player, mate. And, and it just, just, you know, you know, I wrote that article last week about being patient with players, and I clearly yeah. wasn't patient with Pedro in his first season. And no, we were none of us was. Too if small. You remember, we were I know. very, we were yeah. very critical. Okay, fair but enough. He, but yeah. he was poor after the very first game he had, and I think he scored, didn't he? He seemed to sort of go to sleep. But it wasn't. It was. Um, it was our um, our, our Anna Cerebris, wasn't it? So uh, 
Um, mm. Perhaps everybody was affected by that. But oh yeah, God, he's a he's a terrific player, and I love the fact that he he really gets annoyed with himself when he doesn't score a wonderful goal. You know, when he he's he gets the ball at the edge of the penalty area and doesn't whip it into the top corner. Mm. You know, you can see him getting so annoyed because he has that potential. He he, he didn't like the goal he scored against. Um, uh, was it Everton the other day? Wasn't it? Was it Everton who scored that the goal? Which, no, no, it wasn't. Yeah, Everton. I think. Was I think the goal. Uh, no, sorry, yeah, Watford, Watford, first, Watford, first goal, Watford, Watford, first goal, brilliant. Yeah. You know, and he, he can come up with goals like that. No, I I agree completely. And when he runs at pace, they are really unstoppable. It was, um, it's, uh, it's joyous. And I have to say, it was when, good to see. I, I, it was. It was. I, th- I thought they, I thought they played. I thought they played really well actually all game. I, 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 I mean, I saw reports on Twitter actually. It's worth asking uh, Alex, of course, who was there. And therefore got a, a slightly different perception. I mean, I actually watched the match with my missus, Alex, which I hardly she hardly ever watched the football <laughs> with me. So that was quite a landmark. But uh, I'm going to break I, it for you, Chidge. She was perving what? at Pedro. Well, I, she was. Well, she she didn't really. It's what we all do. No, she didn't want to oh, okay, hurt your feelings. Well, she's very good. Like <laughs> she's 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 long suffering, you know. But I, I you know, I, I saw reports on Twitter. Um, Bizarrely, from Charlie, Charlie Skillen, who, who I know and love, but who, who was saying, "Well, it wasn't a very good performance." But I actually thought it was. I mean, we dominated the game. We, I mean, the only the only issue really was we didn't score enough bloody goals. But how, oh, how was it? You, you know, from the terraces, Charlie? Alex. What was Charlie watching? Know, Shut up, Charlie. No, it was fun. Do you know, actually, the only criticism I have is that we didn't, we should have scored more than one goal. But this is something oh. I said in the blog. For God's sake, it's really mm. starting to get on my tits now that every time we don't smash someone, everyone's like, oh, well, that wasn't good enough and we didn't do well enough. Nobody seems to factor in the opposition anymore. Mm. Like Roma, oh, we came back from 2-0 down. Oh, we were 2-0 up and they came back. Yes, because they were a bloody good side and they puzzled a way around us. That's why. Mm. And the reason mm. we only won 1-0 is because Bournemouth were really disciplined, especially in the first half. They were, they were so um, competent at shutting us down and intercepting and blocking. They were really disciplined in the first half and they lost it a bit in the second, which is why we scored and obviously because that bloke fell over um, and when we kind of upped our game a bit. But they actually played quite well and that's why we didn't win 5-0. So, yes, there's a couple of chances well, we could have well, made better of, but they I mean, could have scored as yeah, well. I mean, is, is, yeah, yeah, I mean, you know, let's let, just, just, just talk about that and I'll, I'll bring Seb in on this because, I mean, I know he was probably on a beach in Lanzarote, but if I know Seb, he found a TV to go and watch the game somewhere. Uh, but if you haven't, uh, you should fess up now, Seb, before I ask you this question. No, no I, I, I was watching it, don't worry. <laughs> Good, see, there you go. I had faith in you. I, I never doubted you, Seb, one minute. Um, but, uh, you know, the way I saw it, Morata, you know, uh, probably should have scored that first chance that he had, you mm-hmm. know, but it wasn't far off. I thought the second one that he had was absolutely a superb save by Begovic. Yeah. So he had two chances, one of which he should have scored. The other one, I think, was a good save. Um, and then so, I mean, on the one hand, the offside, not offside goal. Those are the three. Well, that and you it, say. well, it was offside. It was marginal as margins can be, but it was offside in my book. I mean, having, I mean, I had the benefit of sitting there on the telly and seeing them analyse the hell out of it, and, <laughs> and it was marginally offside. Um, so, I mean, I wouldn't blame Morata per se, and and I mean, I, I think it's really annoying and frustrating. Seb. what I'm trying to say is that on the one hand, they were profligate and they should have scored three or four goals, but on the other hand you know, you can see why they didn't. So it's, yeah. it's, for me, it's a bit difficult to just blame them for being wasteful. No, I think, I think, when you, I think you have to start to worry when you're, you're not even making those chances. Um, on the, uh, I thought Begovic had an excellent game. Okay, he, might, he probably had fault for the goal, but 
he made two or three wonderful saves. And if they'd gone in, we could have won 4-5-0, no, like you said. But I, I think if, if, if you're not creating those chances, making, making the keeper make, make saves, that's when you have to start to question, oh, are the tactics right? Is the formation working? But I, I actually, I, I, when I was, because obviously I was with Frankie, I said to her, I thought, I thought it was actually a very good game. On another day, we could have, we could have been two, three and up within the first 30 minutes and we could have possibly changed the half time. We could have seen different players come on earlier and it could have been even more. And Bournemouth obviously might have had to come out and play a bit more. And obviously at 1-0, it's always, oh, well, you never know, they might get a set piece or a penalty, anything. So it was always a bit cagey, but I, 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 at no point did I feel that we'd, we'd lose that. Uh, I thought Bournemouth, uh, they're a very neat team and everything, but they, they sort of lack that punch, really. And it sort of it showed, really. Um, and with our quality up in defence, um, there was nothing really to, no, no chance, really, for them. Other than the last, right, actually, last cause, minute. Because I mean, Bournemouth... The last minute. That shot in the last minute, which uh, if he hit it, better well, it could have could have could have could have could have left us going home really pissed off. And yeah, I mean, I yeah. think that that I mean, I mean, to be fair to the team, I mean, you know, Edin is it Edin Jonathan? Ed, we decided. You know what? I, it's, it's, I spoke hang to on, whoa, 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 one at a time. I, Jonathan, I, is it Edin? Well, the, the so the announcer at Chelsea says Edin Azar, so he gives a okay. he gives a nod to the fact that it is uh, all right. It, you know, it's pronounced pronunciation, but I personally would call him uh, Edin. But I think the team call him Edan. I'm going to defer to Seb. I'm going to defer to Seb because Seb, Seb, you know, spent a long time in Lyon. So what, what's the definitive answer, Seb? Well, it's not just his first name, his second name as well. It says it's Eden Hazard. It's not Hazard, it's Hazard. So well, I it's Hazard. 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 as I just said, as I yeah. If you don't all stop talking at the same time, I shall get fucking cross. Ooh. So it's Eden Hazard. <laughs> that works. That's, that's, the, that's how you say it. it but it's actually Ed, 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 Edon Hazard. It's Edon. Edon. That's what Aiden. It, it's, yeah. it's Aiden Hazard. Come on. Bloody hell. Anyway, can we get back to the discussion about the football? Because uh, I think Seb, Seb makes a good point there. And actually, I, I, I wrote this is what I wrote last week, funnily enough. But I did make the point that actually, you know, although Bournemouth languishing, are languishing in 19th place... Um, you know, they were very unlucky to lose at home to City and they were very unlucky to lose away to Tottenham. So they are no idiots. And I think they proved that, Jonathan, to be fair, didn't they? Yeah, they're, you know, decent side. I mean, they beat... Um, uh, and it was Burnley who beat Tottenham, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's tricky, isn't it? Because we should really be taking the side that's second bottom to the cleaners, shouldn't we? Um, in the same way that I wondered... Why was our attitude better against Bournemouth than it was clearly was against Palace? Was it the international break? Because we've had this this discussion about why they were so under-energised against um, uh, they were so under-energised against uh, against Palace, um, and I just felt we were so superior and so up for it. I just wondered why was it set up differently? What uh, what what happened? Because Palace went for us. Why therefore didn't Bournemouth go for us? in the way that they did last year or the way they did the season before when they beat us 1-0 in the in the dreadful year when they defended and beat us on the break so uh, but they they're a they're a very well organized side and um uh they shouldn't really end up in the bottom 3 but um uh you know who knows the the old adage that that, that very good sides can end up being relegated um i think everton are worse than them 
And I think uh, they look like as if they're going to go down. And I think the Hammers are worse than them, but they still might all put runs together. Um, but no, I, I, they're 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 very well organised. And uh, but we were just far too good for them. I mean, much mm, of the attitude, exactly. the attitude was absolutely perfect. So therefore, we should be beating them three or four nil. So in fact, all those people saying yes, we should have scored. Well, we should have scored. But but um, um, as we've said, Morata Morata had a, had a possible offside goal. Um, ruled out ruled out for offside and uh um uh, and he should have scored early on with that other other shot which was actually a completely open goal so god knows what what happened i'm, I'm just still still i don't think he's he's a hundred percent i mean when he came back yeah, from, i think you're right from the spanish yeah. the spanish uh x-ray said that he was much um more injured than uh, than chelsea said because they re-scanned well. him didn't they so, I thought, uh, I mean, you know, there, there, was, there was some criticism because I, mean, I was on the London is Blue pod yesterday and there's a fair amount of criticism going on about Morata. To, to be honest, I, I actually thought, Alex, I mean, you were again, you were there. I thought he had a good game. I thought he held the ball up really well. I thought he linked the play. We've already mentioned how he linked up so well with Pedro. He runs and, well, and doesn't he, Chidge? He runs really well. Yeah, he does. He, he, he really does, does, you know. And he looked quite tough on the ball uh, for a change. I mean, Alex, was that your impression? You were there yesterday. Yeah, definitely. Was, was it Saturday? Even? Yeah, and he... Um, if he loses the ball, he chases back and he wins it back. And I just think yeah. his his learning curve, I've said it before, has been so quick for the English league. Uh, maybe he's not 100% fit at the moment, but he's he's not injured, injured. I mean, I think there's a reason he's not playing 90 minutes and they're bringing um, on batch right when we're 1-0 up. Um, no, he's recovering, no, got, I think, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, he's like a slow recovery, just like Hazard mm. has been. We're not looking at Hazard of the Anas Cerebrus, who was just fat and didn't care, and then yeah, got injured, no. and we kept repeatedly playing him when he was injured, and it was a disaster. This is just Hazard, he's coming back from a broken leg and gradually playing himself back to fitness, and I think Morata, yeah, to a lesser extent, is doing the same. They're just getting yeah, sharp yeah. after not being 100% fit. I don't know anyone <laughs> that's sitting around slating Morata already, and I just, oh, no. come on. Did you see oh, like, there's another story? You, you get it. On, on Twitter you get it. About, yeah, yeah. Um, well, 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 about Maratta being uh, saying that he's pining for Italy and Juventus. Yeah, but it's I, it's all been absolutely denied in the in the press conference that they held. Of at course, six it has. I know. The I, know but I find it's it been phenomenal that denied. these stories. Well, are it's just classic Italian. It, out, you know, it's you know Italian Italian uh, mischief making, like you get with the Spanish press. They're desperate to get him back to Juventus or wherever. It's just bullshit. It is We're going to be talking about bullshit, funny, funny enough, later on. But before I we just, do... Kid, sorry, can I, I just want, say no, one, no, more I just want to ask, I just, one more thing? Just one more thing. I spoke to John Hollins, weirdly. He came into the, to where I sit, and I asked him, um, who, who, does, who does Maratta remind him of? And he said Peter Osgood. There we go. We've been saying it since the word go, haven't we? Yes. Spot on, spot on. Listen, just to, before we wrap up this part, I, I just want to pick up on something you said, actually, Jonathan, which I thought was absolutely bang on. You know, um, and, and, and funny enough, I talked to Alan Hudson today. God, me and Jonathan dropping names like uh, cherry bombs, in fact. <laughs> but, um, you know, Alan was saying he, he, he thinks it's, you know, that definitely, like me, that Eden Hazard is our, you know, one world-class player. He's got all the talent in the world. He could be as good as the others. Uh, but he thinks it's 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 a bit unfair for Hazard at Chelsea because he's not playing. I, I thought it was quite controversial from Alan, but he said he's not playing with players who are as good as him, and that might be quite difficult. But also that we, because he's our best player, we heap so much expectation on him. But having said that, I, I do think you know whether he carries that responsibility or not. You know, he is the guy that needs to grab the big games by the scruff of the neck and win them for us, not just. 
um, games against Bournemouth. I think the corollary of that is also that you know it is a bit unusual for us because if we go back to the recent past, we had we had several fantastic world class players. I mean, when you had Drogba and Lampard on the same side, you had two match winners, and maybe we only really have the one. But um, you know, you were you were you were going down that alley. I thought earlier on, Jonathan. So I want to just just pick up on what you were saying there. Would you agree with that? Yeah, um, yeah I would actually. Yeah, well, I don't know. I yeah. think we've got. I think we've got. If Pedro comes up to that level, he's world class. But he wasn't. He wasn't the top player at Barcelona, was he? That's why they let him go. But that, but in a sense, that's what some people want to happen with Chelsea. They want them to buy a marquee player, and uh, um, who is who is um, can then complement Hazard or can then be as equally um, match winning. Because you have to look at who the match winners are, and. Uh, at the moment, it's it's like trying to make, um, you know, not quite a, a, a one of the best teams in Europe um, go as far as they can in the Champions League, rather than thinking, well, actually, this side can win the Champions League. So that I, I, you know, that's a question of what uh, down to the board, isn't it? To what funds they can mm. put forward to actually get a player that is is. Um, is, is, well, is commensurate with him if if that's what's required if the board are after doing that I mean they're, right. they're the un- thing, they pay an unbelievable here, amount of money don't they to those players they've got at the moment considering well, they do. they're but not they're here's not the thing, completely here's world the thing class. Jonathan yeah here's the thing if 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 they don't spend the money on on other marquee players he's gonna go I reckon yeah I mean it'll be I mean I think I think we all know it's a question of when not if um but I think that they the when will be sooner if they don't but he'd be um, discouraged I mean, to go, Chidge, wouldn't he? If if we got to the yes. final of the Champions League because we'd bought other oh, yeah. players, he wouldn't want to go because yeah, he'd yeah. be playing Absolutely one of the top right. clubs in Europe. Yeah, I mean, Nicky Kilduff's just made a good point on uh, on Mixelar. Uh, uh, and hello, Nicky, nice to see you in there. Uh, he says Kante is world class, but in a different sense. I, I and he says Louis and Aspie too. I I would say that Kante, you're right. I'd, I'd agree with that. He's world class. I don't yeah. think Louis and Aspie are. You know, might might sound harsh, but that's what I think. Listen, chaps, we're going to go for a quick break, uh, but after that, we're going to uh, we're going to be asking whether keeping we're going to look at the other end of the uh, of the, uh, of the of the team, and we're going to ask if keeping clean sheets will be vital in putting a winning streak together. And we're also going to have a chat about Rudiger replacing Cahill, uh, which had the uh, the nappy shitters on Twitter salivating at the prospect that the uh, it was the end of Gary Cahill. Uh, although Conte said it was just rotating, he may be right. Uh, and talking of which, he was being rotated for Roma, which is a massive, mahusive game uh, tomorrow night in the Champions League. So we'll be talking about that as well. We'll see you in a sec. The only place for Chelsea fans. Footballfancast.com. Real fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to Chidge and the boys on the Chelsea Football Fancast. Total nutters and proper Chelsea. Welcome back, I'm Stanford Chidge, and you are listening to the Chelsea Fancast, and we've got a great uh, bunch of lovely people on the show tonight, of course. As ever, we have Mr. Jonathan Kidd. It's fantastic to be here, Chidge, thank you. 
Yes, we're loving your uh, Mobro uh, adverts on TalkSport at the moment and uh, mm. a follow-up to the Chomley Warner ads, which have been beloved by many people. Talk yes, yes, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm doing a, a comedy read and a serious read on TalkSport. Yeah, how about that? You are, you are, you are. Mm. On me, on me, on my head, son. Yes, indeed. Uh, okay. He asked me to improvise. He said, improvise some football yeah. stuff, Jonathan. And uh, they had to stop me because um, after I went through a whole series of uh, my vocabulary. Three hours later. Yes, exactly. <laughs> well, I was going to say, how did, how did they manage to stop you, Jonathan? And uh, if, they, if they did manage, can they tell me what the secret is? <laughs> lovely. Uh, great to have Jonathan on the show, as always. Uh, we've also got the absolutely lovely, one of my favourite people in the universe, and it's not just... Be- I have to be very careful how I say this. It's not just because she has a very cute pussycat... <laughs> called Bertie, who I who I adore. I mean, you do you realise, Alex, that whenever you post pictures of Bertie on Facebook, uh, I quite often show my mum and various other relatives of mine, and they absolutely adore your. Do you cat. know what it is? It is responded in kind from Bertie. He sees these headphones come out and go in the laptop, and no matter how much of a pain in the ass he's being, he climbs up on the little computer chair next to me and goes to sleep as if Chid needs to be Chid needs me to be quiet for a couple of hours now. Oh bless! So he's him. lying well, there, looking like butter wouldn't melt right now. Either that or he's really bored, like most yeah. of our listeners, I presume. Um, anyway, last but by no means least, we've got the absolutely lovely Seb. It's about time you and I had a pint, mate, at a game. I haven't seen you for far too long. Yeah, I know. Yes, yeah. so, sorry, I just got cut out there. But, um, you know, I just, uh, yeah, it's been... This season's been a bit difficult with work, but it's always good to get, get, get down to the game and uh, get down to the cock tavern and have a drink with a few of the regulars. That'd be lovely. All right, mate, we look forward to that. You there on Sunday? Yes, I am. I am actually going to a game, yes. <laughs> Good. I will not be drinking on Sunday because I've got to drive back to Winchester because it's a Sunday game. But don't let that worry you. Um, anyway, it'd be good to see you, whatever the case. Uh, right, let's get back with the show. Um, I mean, in, in a sense, do you know what? I, I, I think this came through from Conte's post-match presser and, and also Eden Azar's post-match presser. But I kind of shared this too, that this was our... Only our third clean sheet of the season. It was the first since Arsenal on September the 17th. Um, And I, for one, I was very, 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 very pleased. Almost as pleased as I was with the three points to see us not actually concede a goal. Because the defence has been horrific. I I think I described them as being like Bambi on ice in an article recently. But they've they've looked skittish, to say the least. But uh, on the other side of the coin, just to be a grumpy old so-and-so... you know, Jonathan, were, Bour- were Bournemouth ever going to test us? I mean, I think Seb said earlier on that they they, they, they don't have much up front. Uh, well, so I, they weren't I, really a test, the whole they? of the game in complete and utter fear that, uh, as we hadn't scored, <laughs> that, uh, that they would score even in the last few seconds. And when that bloke, Cook, who, you know, uh, hasn't played for six years or something ridiculous, had that shot at the edge of the area and it happily went uh, straight at... Courtois, I thought, well, there must be only a few seconds left. Thank God for that. Because I was convinced that they would score. I don't know. Because that's the, that's, you know, but that's me just having watched Chelsea for hundreds of years. It's, you know, that's, that's what always used to happen. Um, you'd hold out and think, we're all over them. We're all over them. Oh God, they're dreadful. Oh fuck, they've scored. Oh God, how are we going to deal with that now? And then, um, uh, yes, yeah, so, so I was, I was, uh, that is the problem with not with with not um, 
uh, taking the side to the cleaners. You know, it's just the mm. the fear, complete and utter fear that they'll uh, they'll just get one in the last minute, which of course they nearly did. All he needed to do was yeah. be about another three yards to his right or the left of Courtois, and it would have been screaming right into, at the, Courtois, into, wasn't it? into the yeah, right at him. It'd have been screaming into the yeah. into the corner, and we'd have been slumped, and this would have been a completely different podcast. But I, t- I tell you what, Jonathan, and I'm going to I'm going to actually ask. I mean, you know, I, I'm, I'm actually going to ask Seb this because we, we 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 missed him a minute ago. But that's beside the point. Um, I, I'll be honest with you guys. I, I actually thought it was a better defensive display, even though Fabregas and Bakayoko were paired in uh, the defensive midfield roles. And I think that you know, I think most of us have said that the issue really has been Kante missing in the last few games, which has made the defence look way more vulnerable than it has done hitherto. But uh, I'm just also wondering, Seb, what, what the impact of, of bringing in Rudiger uh, for Cahill. I mean, as I said earlier on in the show, you know, it absolutely had the, the nappy shitters on Twitter and Facebook salivating, thinking it was the end of Gary Cahill. But Conte did say that he just rotated him, presumably with the, uh, the Roma game in mind. But I think the question really is, well, you know, is that true? You know, it, has he has he put Rudiger in for Cahill on form? I, I personally, I don't think that's the case. I think that he's chosen Cahill as his captain, and if you know, he'll pick him. Basically, simple as that. But Rudiger did all right, I thought. Yeah, no, I, I, I at the very start, I was um, not sceptical, but I was, I was a little bit worried about Rudiger. But he, he, he started to grow on me. I think, I think the worry is that. Surely he should be he should be playing tomorrow night, seeing as that he's played at that stadium. He knows that he knows the atmosphere. He knows the yeah, opposition. Good point. He knows their ins and outs. He knows their strengths, and he knows their more their, more so their weaknesses. So surely it would have made more sense for him to play tomorrow night rather than Saturday. But I can understand why he played Saturday because having scored on Wednesday night and played well in the last two three games he's played in. Um, it, it, on form, I, I, I do think at the moment that he, he is playing better than Cahill. Not to say Cahill's not a good player, but I do think on current form, I think Rudiger is a very, very strong contender, not only for his position, but for any of those three roles, really. Mm. I do wonder about Roma, actually, uh, Seb. I think that's a really good point because, of course, he did used to play for them, so he knows it really, really well there. But he did play against them in the home leg, and we got torn a new one, didn't we? So, you know, but he, swings he, and roundabouts. But possibly. He, 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 but he came on as a sub. That's the problem, and we were, we'd did. already we'd actually, already, true. We'd already conceded two goals, and that actually, in fact, I good point. We looked, we looked a bit better when he came on. I think. <laughs> good point. Yeah, fair I... point, mate. I forgot that. Go, yeah, Alex, you you chip in. Just going to say, don't assume that it's comfortable for him going back to Roma. Since he left there, he's been very articulate and very vocal about racial abuse that he suffered there, about yeah. how he finds it. He's he's much relieved to be not in that environment anymore. So I think assuming mm. that he's going to go back there and know everything that's going on and be right in his head and everything, I, I think it might be quite an uncomfortable experience for him. But I just think like Nicky oh. Kilduff saying <clears throat> in the mix of the thing about how it's really difficult mm. to say that Cahill shouldn't get picked over someone else without yeah, sounding one, like one of the nappy shitters. But I honestly, no, I no. just don't think it's got anything to do with Cahill. Like you said, I think Rudiger played very well in the last game that he played in and I think Conte is probably just looking at it going there's plenty of games for everybody at the moment I don't don't think it's a negative reflection on anybody if anything it's a positive reflection on Rudiger having earned 
Conte's trust for the Bournemouth game and, you know, go in there and do a job so that I can save Cahill for Roma and that no one has to be exhausted. I don't think it's it's got negative connotations on anyone at this point in the season. I think the more players you can get involved, the better when you're playing three games every seven days. Well, I think I think that's a really good point. And, and I mean, one thing that I, I, I've been saying a lot is that actually this season... Uh, we have a, we have better defensive options and backup than we did last season because you know you've got Rudiger who I think is very good, Christensen who I think is more than ready, Louise I think is a great player on his game, Aspie is is solid seven eight out of ten, and I think Cahill you don't underestimate what a good player he has been for us and I believe still is, um, but you know the other thing I would say is I mean like last I mean I was going to come on to this I shall kind of come onto this now and then go back to some of the other points but you know. It is vital that, you know, we have a solid defence because I think all all title-winning campaigns are, you know, the foundation of it is a solid defence. And the proof of that, I did some research, people. I did some research for you lovely oh, American people because I wow. know that you like that. Wow. I did some re- research. Uh, and uh, in our 13-game unbeaten run last season, we had 10, sheet, uh, 10 clean sheets in those 13 games and we conceded four goals in, in three of them. Uh, so I think we one to Tottenham, one to somebody else. I can't remember, um, and two in another game. But I can't remember. I can't remember the games. But the bottom line is, you know, ten clean sheets in that, and that for me is the foundation. And that was with a defence of basically Louise Cahill and Aspie, you know. And so no it's options. the same defence as, yeah, and and it was the same defence as last year, but of course you had Matic and you had Kante in defensive midfield. And we all know how good Kante is and what a miss he is. I think the jury's out as to whether Matic is a miss or not. But, you know, I think the issue really is as simple as if you take Kante out of that uh, equation, then we can be exposed defensively. And I think we're exposed defensively because we have a lack of pace. And I think, you know, of the five defenders that we've got, Cahill is the least able to bring the ball out from defence. He's the least comfortable on the ball. And I think if you're an opposition team and an opposition manager, you know that. So you're going to target him. So he ends up looking worse than I think he actually is. Does, who would like... Jonathan, what, if I just come out with a remarkable amount of sense, I can't believe I might have done. Well, no, I, I agree with you, really. I think Rudiger should play all the time. I think he's shown that. Um, uh, uh, and some people have said, they, uh, have posted that they, they wanted the ideal centre-back trio would be um, Rudiger, Christensen and Dave. I personally don't think Christensen uh, uh, um, passes as well as Louise. I think Louise on his game is brilliant at centre-half and uh, and should, um, should play as much as possible. So I actually think Rudiger should uh, replace Gary Cahill, not because Cahill's bad, but because Rudiger is fitting better into this system uh, at the moment. Um, uh, I'm trying to answer the rest of your question. Um, um, uh, I, I wanted to make a point. I actually think that the Fabregas-Bakayoko combination in midfield um, just doesn't work because Bakayoko still isn't the finished article. Yeah. He, he I don't think given the options you'd ever pick that combination. No, I, I think it's, no. well, you hope that drink water <clears throat> comes more into it, which I think he will do because he, he to, he's much more solid I mean, only, yeah. Sorry, sorry you say. I was say going to no, say no, that, you, yeah. that um, you would only pick Fabregas ideally if it's a play there. If you had him next to Drinkwater or Kante, wouldn't you? Yeah, absolutely. And also, I'm I, I still think that he's he's wonderful coming on with 20 minutes to go. 
um, just for those wonderful floating balls that he does because his eye is or, or is play him super, higher up the pitch, JK. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, to play you him know, in that position where saying. he's yeah. forced to tackle, which I have to say, he makes a fist of. He has a go. You know, you've got to give him that, and he normally gets booked because he just is. He isn't quite good enough for that. Definitely. But um, but he's a wonderful. He's a wonderful playmaker, and we mustn't forget that fact. No, I'm, I don't. Well, want I'd rather to see. Across. I'd rather see, Alex. Hang on, Alex. I'd rather see him play higher up where he can create, yeah. you know, cause damage to the opposition yeah. than play back in defensive midfield where he causes chaos for us, which is really what happens. Listen, I'm going to ask you a quick question, all of you, because I think this is really interesting, and it was, was on the list. And before I do that, I'm going to say Paul Crowder is in the house. How lovely to see you in Mixler, my friend, and I hope you're well. But who, uh, and I'm going to ask Seb first, on form at the moment, what's our best back three? But, well, Aspie, Aspie has to play. That 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 is an absolute dead cert. So Aspie on the right. Um, I think you'd have to go with Luis as well, and I think Rudiger. I think the, I think the three mm. that the three that played at, at this moment in time um, will work the best. But that could change. That could easily change. Yeah. Of course it can, because it's about form, I think. And, of course, it's about the manager's perception of that. But, Alex, what say you? Uh, Louise in the middle on one of his non-hairbrain days. Um, Dave always has <laughs> to start on the right. And I think it depends on the opposition as to whether you pick Cahill or Rudiger at the moment. I think that's fair enough. Jonathan, what say you? No, I, I just, in fact, said that earlier in my previous... Yeah, you did, didn't you? Yeah, I, I thought I'd it, ask you again anyway. No, thank you very much. I'll just say the same thing. <laughs> I could say something. I could say something different, just to be um, provocative. Yeah. Um, Chopper Harris, John Dempsey, yes, and exactly. uh, David Webb. I was going to say, actually, I think Zappa Costa should play <laughs> should play uh, um, on the left hand side with um, Dave um, playing up front. Um, ooh, ooh, no, yes, no, yeah. No. I, as I said, I, think, I, th- I don't think I think Christensen. I, I think Christensen is great. And will become one of the best centre halves we've ever had, but not quite yet. Wow, not quite okay. yet. And because, as I say, Louis is, um, um, as Alex says, when he's not brainless, he is really top banana. I think Louis. I think so Lewis too. Is, yeah. Lewis is wonderful when he when he's got his his head on straight. And it's also those wonderful passes that they can do as well, which uh, mm. um, which uh, uh, was a big tactic at Bournemouth as well, which really freaked them out. They couldn't deal with it. He's, well, Ru- Rudiger did very well with that. He didn't did. He? He he's very good at that. Superb That's passes. He's wasn't also he? very yeah. good. At, so I would pick Rudiger, Louise, and Dave. And as long as Dave doesn't play right wing back, which he just isn't quite. Oh, good never again. At. Yeah. But I thought no, Zappacosta had a decent game at Bournemouth. Actually, I thought he's. Uh, yeah, he um, did actually because he, yeah. he he wasn't great against Roma in the first leg, but I thought he's uh, he, he he was better against Everton, and I thought he did well. He did well against Bournemouth as long as he doesn't take mm. any throw-ins. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, what is it about? Uh, we, it, was, well, yeah, well exactly. You know, I couldn't believe it. You know, both the two right wing backs, neither of them can throw the ball in without kicking their leg up, for God's sake. Well, it's the same with bloody corners. Why can't we take corners oh. or do throw-ins? It's beggar's belief, doesn't it? Anyway, I'm, to be honest, I, I'm agreeing with all of you here. I, I would go right now on form. I would go Aspie, De- uh, Louise and Rudiger. Um, but that's not to say that uh, uh, you know I'm not trying to diss Cahill in any way. But I think I think that right now on form... That, and also the way that we want to play, that's what I would do. But uh, I, I think that, you know, Conte's a very shrewd manager and he sees them day in, day out, we don't. 
and uh, I think there is an element of horses for courses, and I do think actually there is probably some some merit and truth in the fact that he rotated Cahill because the Roma game coming up uh, is is very important. We're going to talk about that in a minute, but before we do, I, 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 a lot of you have mentioned drink water, and of course that fits in very well with what we're saying. In view of the fact none of us think that Fabregas really is, is good enough as a defensive midfielder. But um, what did you think, Alex, of um, of Drinkwater's Premier League debut? Of course, he, he played against Everton in midweek. But uh, what did you think of him? I think that he spent the whole time waiting to come on, playing with his junk. And that it was just too distracting because all the females in row H were just transfixed on him playing with himself. Um, he did stop <laughs> fiddling with his own crotch somewhat after he came on. And that, no, he was great. Well, there you go. He was really great. I, I just feel like it's like I said, you would never. I don't want to diss Fabregas. I'm not sitting here saying that Fabregas isn't good enough to start, but I'm saying that Fabregas should not be playing next to Bakayoko as Bakayoko stands at the moment. And I just think that when, once Drinkwater came in to sort of shore up the defence and that as the game wound out, I just oh, I just felt so much more serene and calm at the back. It really did. It mm. felt like there was mm. another solid yeah. player that wasn't like... Because for me, Fabregas playing defensive midfield when he's actually expected to be the defensive one, like the Matic or the Kante, is always plugging a hole. He's He's taking one for the team. And yet, drink water comes on, and it's not the case anymore. You actually have someone that's that is there to do that, and that's what their strength is, and that's what it felt like after he came on. Once I, I stopped um, being I'm... distracted by his crutch. <laughs> Good. Okay. Well, I'm glad we got some analysis in there somewhere other than uh, his meat, and, other than his meat and two veg, which clearly uh, impressed you immensely. Um, I just want to kind of round up the chat about Bournemouth, really, by. You know, saying that, yeah, you know, I think we've all said this, haven't we, so far, that we should have walloped them. But it's, I, I do actually think right now, at this time of the season, and Frank Lampard was brilliant on this on BT Sport. Of course, Frank's brilliant to everything. But Frank, you know, Frank is the most brilliant person in the, in, in the human race. We all know this. But he made a really good point, which is, um, you know, at the end of the day, at this, time, at this stage of the season, it's all about picking up points, uh, and preferably three points. And, and at the moment, because we are nine behind City, it's about staying in the game. And at nine points, a gap of nine points, we can retrieve, given that we're not even halfway through the season. But if you start losing any more, then it's going to be harder and harder and harder. Um, so really, it's about it's about staying in the hunt and staying in the game, not about, you know, whopping people 5-0 or scintillating performances. It's about those three points, isn't it, Seb? Yeah. Um, I think I think we, we, we need to just keep concentrate on our own game, really. There's no... Just forget about the other teams at the moment. There's all other managers talking about our manager and our players and so forth. And I think we just need to stick to our, our, our plan A. Well, hopefully we can stick to plan A as much as possible. Um, I think Sunday, looking ahead, it's, it's sort of the game on Sunday is a real, a real defining moment. Um, if we can beat United, it, 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 it might spark us, well, lead us on to bigger and better things for the rest of the season. But it, it, it could hinge the other way if we lose it, it. It, it probably would be the end. I think that would be our fourth loss um, of the season. Um, I think you can only lose five ma- at an absolute maximum five. Um, so I think that that would probably be the end of the the title challenge. I, I never really expected us to to win it, but I did. I, I would. I was. I did hope that we would be 
in and around the, the the top the top three this year, and I still think we will be, but I do think it it's uh, going to be very difficult if it's um, not a positive result on Sunday. Mm, well, well done, Sam. I mean, Jonathan, it's all really about you know what we need is to go on a run, and I think that's what was so pleasing uh, not only about the Watford game but also the Bournemouth game that you know we we kind of got out of jail last weekend, but we followed it up with another win away. Um, and of course, it, it steps right. It's all set up beautifully, isn't it, for next Sunday against Man United? Well, of course, we've, we've won, uh, which we've is... won uh, three in a week, haven't we? Because we played Everton, which we were not talking yep. about actually. Yep. It was a decent performance against a, a much better Everton side. Um, uh, but once again, I think we should have scored more. I think we we sat back a bit. Um, but he was giving the kids a go. Uh, um, mm. So, uh, but yeah, I, I, the the dilemma is is that. Um, uh, Mourinho will probably come to the bridge and defend um, and try yeah. and get us on the break. So it might end up just being yeah. a draw. And as you, you say, Chich, we need to keep the the, the wins going. It, it, well, we, uh, we need to try and... It'll be interesting to see what happens tomorrow night. Um, uh, obviously interesting. But, I mean, if we were to win tomorrow night, that to me, that would just set the whole thing up even more. Um, and then we win on Sunday. That would have been five in a row with... with uh, two very good sides we'd have played against. And I, I, I think it is possible. It's possible we may end up at the, uh, after these two weeks with five wins, um, which I think would be fabulous. Well, the interesting thing is, I think you're right, you know, about the United game. You know, I think that's a game that we need to win uh, more than United. And actually, that might play into our hands. You know, I mean... We've been we've had that on the other way around, haven't we? Where we we've not really needed to win. The other team have, and they've kind of that hot, that classic word that I hate. We wanted it more than them. Yes. Maybe that will play into our hands. But you're right. Before that, we've got um, an equally important uh, must-win game in a sense. I mean, it, that's an interesting thing. Is it a must-win game against Roma, uh, Alex? Do you think? No, or, not or can necessarily. Can we get away with a draw there? I think we can get away with a draw. Um, definitely. I think so. You're looking at it now. Seven points halfway through. We're basically the only team ever in the history of the planet to have ten points and not qualify. And we've still got the three games to go, one of which is carrier bag. Um, We've obviously still got to have Atletico. But I think, to be honest, I I think it was as good as a win drawing with Roma because of their result in Azerbaijan, which was a shocker. They're down on Mm. two points now. They haven't won a game in the opening three um, so they they really they cannot afford not to win all three of their games now Atletico, which is a big ask in this group because it's like it's going to be a scenario of us or Roma may only need to draw with them in which case we, mm. it might not happen for them. Um, of definitely to win it now you'd have to say that we'd as good as qualified if we won that which would be nice. But I don't I don't think there's any reason to go full nappy shitter if we get a draw away at Roma because it'd be a tough game. No no that that. Yeah. I think that that would be a good result, especially yeah. considering I thought they they were a good team. They they I thought that they were they, the way they kept hold of the ball, Nangalangalangaland, particularly yeah. <laughs> I thought was very good. But um, or you know what is it? What was it? Did we say last week Nangaland, Black Betty, Nangalang. <laughs> uh, but anyway, we but we so digress. If we get a draw there and we win at Carrierburg, that's eleven points. That'd be pretty amazing yeah. if we didn't go through on that, wouldn't it? Yeah, well, it would be. I mean, look, I don't think a draw against Roma in their own patch will be a bad result. But what I would say is that whilst they were very impressive when they scored three goals against us, and I thought they did control the game far more than we did, and they pressed us all over the place, yada, 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 they looked dodgy as hell at the back. I mean, we scored three against them, which says a lot. Um, but the interesting thing is their recent uh, run of form in the in the Serie A 
is that they keep winning 1-0. So they've clearly tightened up their defence, one would presume. I mean, what I'm hoping, Seb, I mean, and what I'm intrigued by, is can Chelsea go to Roma and do what they did to Atletico, which was a superb result, although perhaps uh, maybe not quite as good as we thought, given how shocking they've been since. But, um, you know, it'd be lovely to go and see us go over there and, 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 and do another brilliant uh, brilliant smash-and-grab away win. Although I think the Atletico one wasn't smash-and-grab. We, we, we ran that game from start to finish, didn't we? Oh, yeah. I mean, if, if, we, play, if we play like that tomorrow night, like we did in, in Madrid, we'll, we'll, we will win that game. Not only... Nick, no, nick it in terms of score, but we will we will score at least two or three goals. Um, I read today that their right back Perez is out, and he, he he didn't actually have a particularly good game as well at the bridge. So, and then I think um, they've got another defender coming back, uh, Manalas, the Greek centre backs, potentially coming in. So that, that so that might strengthen them a little bit actually. So I know we said they were relatively poor at the bridge, but if their their best centre backs coming back. Although he might not be 100, percent that 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 might be something we need to obviously take into consideration. Uh, but yeah, I, I, like everyone said, I think I, I think a draw a draw would be acceptable. So we we want to go out, we go out there and always win. But if you ask me now, I'd take a draw right now because, uh, mm-hmm. like Alex said, it was unbelievable that Atletico drew in Carabag. Um, that that. I wish that sort of spurred us on to win at the bridge. Obviously, that didn't happen. But I think a draw would be acceptable, but a win would be preferable. Mm. I agree with all of that. Jonathan, final word from you, mate. What are you expecting? Um, uh, I think a draw, but um, I think we might grab it. It would be wonderful if Mm. we did. I think we might yeah, win win by the totally. odd goal. Actually, I just think we're we're he'll come up with a plan. He, he, you know, he, we we've got to realise that he's a terrific. Well, we do realise he's a wonderful manager, and he'll um, he'll have worked out something since the last last game. Whether it means uh, um, if they have the tenacity they had against the Atletico against Atletico, then uh, then we'll get a result. I'm I'm convinced of that. Actually, no, I think Can't, it'll be a, it'll be a different performance from the one we saw at the Bridge. He's uh, mm. he's used to going there as well, isn't he? It's his patch. Yeah. yeah. Back in Italy, mm. so he's taken not, a not his bald patch, though. I hope, Alex. <laughs> not anymore. Not now. They've shaved his pubes and put it on his head. <laughs> Is far it more, far more effectively <laughs> than they did with Rooney? Because Rooney's that just looks like what they've done. Is it a weave? What's he done? Is it is it a, a, a kind of plastic hair? What kind of hair is it? Because he's clearly done some syrup, mate. And I'm, je- I'm jealous. I'd like I'd like to do it myself. I'd like to have a go at that. Well, I don't know because Rooney had that thing done where they literally do a skin graft from a hairy part of your body and glue it to your head. I right, think they did it from his ass, didn't no, they? No, 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 they didn't. They didn't. They didn't. You're being very unfair. They did. Oh no, he called... did. He had a skin graft onto his head. You know, it's follic. It, no, he had FUE, which is follicular. Um, follicular, as in follicular. Follicular, follicular. Indeed, follicular. Yeah, exactly. Follicular, follicular. Um, uh, which is they they take it all from the back of your head and then put it on the front because all the the hair on the back of your head grows. No, he had stick, it on his leg. It was his calf. Rooney had his calf all strapped up. He had no. to wait for the summer. It's not sure. the same hair. That's why it looks shit, Jonathan. <laughs> oh, okay. Conte's obviously had it done properly, as is Klopp apparently. But um, yeah, they've obviously paid the money whereas Rooney's done it hang on a minute whoa 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 Alex has Klopp got a syrup as well then apparently yeah 
I don't no think it's a syrup. Way. This word syrup, syrup of figs, Cockney rhyming slang, as in wig. I don't think it's a wig. It's a, you know, because it, it's, it's, it's too real looking. It's just, I'm trying to find a way really what it is. Is it a kind of weave plus proper hair? Because it's proper And also hair. with Clock, why then does he not fork out for toothpaste or shower gel? If he's yeah, exactly. Because oh, oh, well, well, he's German. Yeah, then have a wash. Invest in that. You've got enough money yeah. to afford a toothbrush. I think we should move on. I think we should move on. But before we do, I want to leave people with the surreal thought that has popped into my head, which is the uh, on the on the future occasion when uh, Jonathan Kidd meets uh, his managerial hero, Signore Antonio Conte. The first question that Jonathan is going to say is, "Excuse me, Mr. Conte, where did you get your weave done? Because I'm thinking of having it done myself." May I say what a fantastic impression of me that is, Chidge? Wow! I know. I've 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 listened to your dulcet tones for so, so many long. years. It's indelibly imprinted on my head. Exactly. Um, right. Talking of things indelibly imprinted on our head, as we just were. Uh, anyway, after the break, this is going to be superb. Do not run away, people. This. Forget all the nonsense we talk for for an hour and a half. Uh, This is worth uh, uh, far more than all of that because we've got an interview that I recorded earlier today with the wonderful Chelsea star Alan Hudson, who I'm sure was Jonathan's boyhood heroes. Am I right? Absolutely, wonderful player, a wonderful um, bit. If you can watch, if you can watch him in any of the games that they show on on the Chelsea Channel, have a go because he was just so. um, There's a fluidity to him and his ability to uh, to 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 beat. To pa- it's a great passer. He was a great- he would be surrounded by yeah. three players and just flick the ball through to people. He was just be people. Yeah. Nobody else could do that. He was well. Him and Stanley Bowles. He was up there with any of those yeah. of the top mavericks of that period. Like, yeah, Worthing. Totally. The graceful, who- graceful player, wasn't he? Was, oh, absolutely. All balance so, and grace. And remember, he, as I keep saying, he left Chelsea when he was twenty-two. For goodness' sake, well, the best years, yeah. playing years of his yeah. life, were uh, no, were ahead no. of him. Or- I know what a shame that was and we talked about that but anyway we had an interview with Alan Hudson earlier today it was lovely to talk to him on the phone of course he was on the Chelsea fan cast in June 2009 believe it or not so he was one of our first guests Uh, and the reason we spoke to him today was because he's launching or relaunching or it's a reissue of his seminal book The Working Man's Ballet which is being republished by London Books. So uh, I think it's out very soon. So check it out on Amazon or go to London Books. We'll find out how to get it and we'll let you know. But after the break, uh, we're going to be talking to Alan. Chidge. JK. In all the years you've been following Chelsea, you hardly ever miss a match, home or away. But how would you feel if you couldn't be there and it's not on TV? Oh, Chidge, I'd be bereft. Inconsolable. The thought of missing my beloved Blue Boy's life. <laughs> it's all too much. <laughs> I know, JK, I know. It's all a bit too much, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> well, panic not. NordVPN have come to the rescue. They have? Yep, NordVPN allows us to watch any match, even if it's not on live TV here. They do? Yeah, they do. With just one click, they switch your virtual location to a country which is showing the match... And they act as your cyber bodyguard whilst online, protecting your personal data and sensitive info like card details and passwords. Oh, wow. Great. Uh, But yeah, I bet that'll cost me a fortune. Actually, JK, it's only the price of a cup of coffee per month. And you can use your account across six devices. It's a bargain, JK. And best of all, no more tears for you. Oh, thank you. Thank you, NordVPN. 
I'm so happy. I could cry. <laughs> Where do I sign up, Ginge? Well, to get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash Chelsea Fancast. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee, and you'll help support the Chelsea Fancast. The link is in the podcast episode description box. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Real fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy and you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Proper Chelsea. Footballfancast.com Right, welcome back. I'm Stanford Chidge, and uh, you are listening to the Chelsea Fancast. And uh, as I said uh, before the break, uh, I was very lucky today, and I got to phone up the wonderful Alan Hudson, who was a super player for us back in the uh, early late 60s, early 70s. And uh, he is uh, re-releasing or relaunching, if call it what you will, his fantastic autobiography, which is called The Working Man's Ballet and uh, by London Books. And... Uh, I phoned him up and talked to him all about that earlier today. So enjoy this. It's a huge pleasure uh, to to have Alan Hudson, Chelsea legend, on the line. Of course, we had Alan on the on the Chelsea fancast in his very early days in a bar in Putney Station, uh, and it's fondly remembered by everybody who listened to it and was there. Alan, it's great to have you back on the show. How are you, mate? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. I'm good. Uh, I like this time of the year. It comes up to December the fifth, I think, which is this year's twenty years of my escaping uh, that car mm, yes so I look forward to this type of time of year I, I celebrate every you know I don't celebrate my birthday on June 21st so I don't celebrate I, I celebrate uh, my 20th birthday this year <laughs> uh, why not <laughs> you know so uh, so yeah it's a, it's the right time of year I like you know looking forward to it brings back all the memories of what what happened in hospital yeah close escapes and you know um, well absolutely so, yeah. yeah yeah and I mean I should ask you how are you are you fitting well at the moment well I'm, I've got problems but uh, I, I truly believe I'm, I'm very very positive about things um, and I look around me and see people a lot worse off than me and you know I, I don't like I'm not one for people that hang on to and mope about and mm. feel sorry for themselves and things like that. I think life's too short, but, you know, let's try and make the most of it, you know? Uh, good for you. Well, I mean, I, I look forward to seeing you uh, on Wednesday evening, and we'll, we'll talk about that in a minute. But, I mean, really, the, the reason yeah. why we got you on, I and mean, we love having you on the show, and I can't believe it's that long ago since we did, and I apologise for that. But uh, uh, right. obviously That's the right. big news is, um, you're, you know, the, the the wonderful book that you wrote 20 years ago, uh, working men's ballet uh, is being republished by uh, great mates of mine, John King and Martin Knight, through their yeah. publishing company, London Books. So, so really, Alan, I mean, you know, how how did that come about? Who, whose idea was that? Well, it's a, it's a great story, really, because um, when I when I was in Seattle, uh, it was on my thirtieth birthday. It was a uh, I was saying I got in very very late this night, obviously once again and I was sitting at my bar I was looking over the, the city of Seattle which is a beautiful city and 
I just thought it was a t- I really thought I was going to stay in America. I, I thought I'd never come back, especially in Seattle. And I thought it's time to write this book. And it was Tony Waddington's idea, the working man's ballet, which he calls football the beautiful mm, game. Mm. And uh, so I, I brought the book out in 1996, the year of hell, really, because the year I got married, the year I got run, you know, the car hit me and I'd, I seem to think that it wasn't an accident. Uh, I'm pretty sure about that. Uh, and so I didn't really get the opportunity to... I was in hospital for the, for the whole entire 1998. Um, so I didn't get time to promote it, mm. you know? So I'm sitting with Martin Knight the other month or something, and he said, well, I said, let's bring it out again, you know, bring it out in paperback, give people an opportunity to buy it, and and he's made, he's made a great job of it, him and John King. He, he, John King wrote the foreword. Jeff Powers wrote a lovely piece in the Daily Mail, which he always does. And Martin's wrote about my time in hospital. So that's the only change of the book mm. from 20 years ago in hardback. So, and I've read, I started reading from it the other day, and it really is. It really, really is a good book, mm. if I say it myself. <laughs> and I'm quite proud of it. And now I'm proud of it because I think it was the first book ever written without a ghostwriter. Uh, and I'm not very educated, as those of you that met me. Uh, so my English is not that great. I wasn't great academically. Um, so I'm quite proud of the book, and it, it really is a good read. You know, it's personal, uh, and it's hard-hitting, and it's critical. Mm. And I think that's what you've got to be. Yeah, well, why not? I mean, uh, you know, I, 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 for one, am delighted that uh, it's being republished because I, I never got the chance to buy it when it came out. And it went out of print pretty quickly. Um, and yet, you yes, know, it did, yeah. yeah, it did, didn't it? And, and yet, you know, obviously, as a football lover, <clears throat> you know, I was aware of the book and loads of people who know their onions were saying this is one of yeah. the best, uh, you know, autobiographies by a footballer. And you've got to get your hands on it. Of course, now we all have that yeah. chance. I mean, I, as soon as John and uh, Martin did the crowdfund for it, I, I, I whacked my money in there as soon as it came out. So I'm really looking yeah, forward to it. But, for um, well, I'm looking forward to it, mate. And thank you for writing it. Um, one of the yeah. things that I do remember that people said, though, you know, one of the things that really, I think, caught people's attention at the time was was its honesty. And it, and it pulled no punches. And it was incredibly sincere. And I'm thinking, you know, the game has moved on a lot. You know, obviously it covers your your experiences in the game, but I know you've got pretty trenchant views of the modern game. Do you have a feeling that it will, it will make a really big impact this time? Because uh, you don't get a lot of that these days. All, all footballers are very kind of media controlled, aren't they? They're very savvy. And this, yes, is, this yeah. is very much warts and all. So do you think it's going to make quite an impact? Well, I think, I think you did it on the head, which I've just missed out when I... I first mentioned the book is uh, the one thing I've really only got two caps I suppose is because you're too honest and you speak out and you don't like the hierarchy and the management and you fall out with people and I think everything in the book when people buy this book they can read it and know it's true it's honest uh, I'm not one of those people that just write about my good games I tell you when I've had a bad game, so it's not, there's no, it's no flowery, you know, it's not camouflage or nothing. It's basically all the truth and what's gone on in my life. And it, I think the most important thing what comes across in the book is every time I thought something good was going to happen, something bad happened, uh, 
I said at the beginning of the book, this is a roller coaster ride, but I didn't realise how much of a roller coaster ride. 20 odd years ago, I didn't know that I was going to get hit by the car. I didn't know I was nearly died. Well, I did die a couple of times, they say. They brought me round, nearly lost my legs. Uh, and, I'm, I'm, you know, I had a wonderful time in hospital because the people, the people that looked after me, the surgeons, consultants, the day-to-day care I got while I was in there for a year was absolutely out of this world. And it, it, it brought over a point to me that I was right about football management and people in the FA and all these people and the people uh, down the river there, you know, the politicians and all that. You can't believe the word they say. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and there I am with these people in hospital and, you know, you know, you couldn't... These people are just incredible people who keep people alive. And I see, I see people in hospital... This is so sad, you know? Yeah. Uh, and I was the one that was in the worst state, and I thought, no, I ain't going to, you know, I, I thought, you know, I really was um, in a bad state. You know, and I think it's, it's a lot down to, your, you know, your upbringing, your training, putting yourself out and training if you have a late night, and, you know, it's something all the football clubs have been at, I always say to the kids. Look, you're only young once. Go and enjoy yourself. But when you come in training, you put it all in and you, you work hard as, you know, as hard as you possibly can to keep yourself fit. And I, I think that saved my life in the end. Yeah, well, you know, play hard, work hard is a good attitude. But I think I, I think that's a good point, actually. I mean, you, you know, you, you were a very, very, very good footballer at the top of your game. You played at the highest level. And I think you need a—I mean, not that I ever have—but I can understand the psychology behind it. And you need—you need to have a huge determination and will to win, and a fight to survive. And as you say, maybe that's what helps you through. Well, I think it did. I've no, absolutely no. I mean, the, the morning of the car hitting me, which obviously the fifteenth of December. I mean, I was in the gym for three hours. I've done a couple of hours on the bike. I used to put the black bags under my training thing and sweat it all out from the day before. And then I do a couple of thousand sit-ups and all, all this kind of thing. They're the things that the public and supporters don't see. Mm. You know, they see you out in the pub and say, oh, he likes to drink, he drinks so much. But they don't see the hard work you put in behind the scenes and the injuries you have to go through. And, you know, just before I left Chelsea for Stoke, I mean, I, I, I miss it. FA Cup final and the World Cup for a bad ankle injury yep. and you know it's very very traumatic you know mm. uh, especially when you know I, I can remember when we actually got to the Cup final we beat Watford uh, 5-1 and we were scoring goals for fun it was a great time and I thought my first in my first six months you know it was kind of getting to the Chelsea first team and then if you can get to the Cup final in the first in the first six months of me in the game, I played against Pelé. I played against George Best. I played against Johan Cruyff. I played against Bobby Moore, Bobby Charlton. And to be on the field with those kind of people in the first six months is quite something. It's a thrill, you know? Yeah, I bet. Who, who was the... Who was the he, sorry, go on, mate. Go on, finish up. I think you're going to ask who was the best... Well, I was, yeah, yeah. You, you read my mind. You read my mind, Adam. Yeah, because that's the question I always ask. Uh, and I think, without a doubt, as much as I love the others, I think Johan Cruyff was 
just something out of the ordinary. Although George was, you know, George was an extraordinary player, bestie. Uh, but Yane Clive, I played against him, you know, I, I, he was just on a different level. And he, he was unplayable. And then he obviously went on from Ajax and playing for the Dutch team and captain them and went on to do it in stage. It was, it was just, and I played against him a couple of times and he was just, you know, he, he was unstoppable. And okay. he, had, he, he played with a style and a grace, uh, had a great attitude. And he was basically, like George, he was a working man's ballet. Yeah. Put music to Yay and Christ and you've got the working man's ballet. You know? I think uh, you know what I mean. I, I was a bit young for the best of Bestie and, and Pele, but uh, you know, jo- Johan Cruyff's the first player, the first non-English player that I just thought, "Wow, this guy's something else." And you're right; he had a he had a real grace and balance to him, yeah. didn't he, in his play? And I think yeah. you're right. You know, working men's yeah, ballet, absolutely, yeah, absolutely wonderful. I mean, you know, and, uh, I just read his book about a couple of months ago. Oh yeah, and uh, and Pep Guardiola write something on the front of his book that said it's, it, it's called My Turn and that was the turn that he used to do on the field mm. but Bardiola <laughs> said I didn't know anything about football until I met Johan Cruyff wow. in Barcelona so that is some statement you know that's 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 praise indeed isn't it um, yes, just yes. just to kind of move it on I mean you know uh, you know you're a local lad of course I think lot, lot, is it Lots Road you, you used to live well, I lived just up at Lots Road, yeah, where the power station was. The That's front right. cover of the book is the power well, stations in the back. Uh, and, I mean, Upson Road, that was where we played all our football. There was a cage there, there was a school there. And that's where we were all brought up. And it was, uh, and as I say in the book, it comes from a young age to start off and just say what, a, what, a, what an incredible upbringing mm. I had. But I, I was fortunate really, because a lot of kids don't get to get a father like I had. He was football, he was a Fulham fella, loved his football, and he wanted, he wanted me and my brother to have what he didn't have. He, didn't, he worked on the asphalt, and he worked as a decorator and all this, and he didn't, he see we had ability, and he didn't, just didn't want us to, you know, end up like him, if that's the right thing to say. And uh, that's why I'm proud of where I come from, and, and my dad, you know, and I played for my dad and I played for our family and I always played for me last, <laughs> uh, which I think is nice. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it is, it is actually in a sense. And I mean, I'm, I'm very fond of Lots Road. I lived there for a few years back in the 80s and the 90s. Um, but the thing is, I think it's interesting, isn't it? Because I think that's why a lot of Chelsea supporters loved you and identified with you because you were literally just born in, in the manor and ended up playing for the team. Uh, and you know that I think it has interesting parallels with today because, of course, Chelsea always get a hard time about the fact that you know the last academy player to really break through to the side was John Terry. Um, you know what? Yeah. What do you think it is about the inability of the current? I mean, very talented youngsters that we've got at the club. But why is it that they can't break through? Do you think? Well, my main uh, bugbear in football in today's society is the coaching. Mm. I'm not a great lover of coaches. And when some people come up to me and they say, my boy's seven or eight years of age, this club and that club, I says, too too early. Don't send your kids to no football clubs at that age. You know, let them develop themselves. If you care about your kid, you just show them. My dad used to take me to Tottenham to see 
John White play and Jimmy Greaves and they took me to Arsenal to see George Easton and, and Napoli and George Stoke and that was, that was the education that you've got to give your kids. Don't put them in the hands of a coach who, you know, I always say a coaching badge is like the driving license, you know. You, you can't drive a car without one and you can't be in football without a coaching badge. But the people that are coaching today, I mean, really, they don't really know too much about the game, you know. Mm. And I think that comes across in our, in, an, in our national team. You know, they, you know, it's why Brian Tuff never got the job. Tony Waddington never got the job. You know, people like Bill Nicholson, his first, you know. You know, the great old managers are gone. And all you've got now is Marino in the paper now. You know, I just read in the paper this morning that he holds a record in the Premier League for more 1-0 wins. <laughs> but that's not football for me. That's no. not, you know, people need to be entertained. Uh, people work hard all week. They go to work and they go to the football on a Saturday or a Wednesday night and they want to be entertained. Mm. And um, Waddington always said that, entertain the crowd. Jock Steen itself, it his last words he ever said to his players, these fellas have been out, these 60, 70, 80,000 people have been out working all week and now they've come to see you. So give them something to you know, go on and say, God, that was worth it, you know? Um, I think that's what we lack today. Alan, no, I think I think that's well. I, I you know, I, I know you, so I, I know how insightful you are. But that's a really interesting view. I mean, do you think, in a sense, that that um, you know they're overcoached, that the talent's being coached out of these youngsters, or do you think it's just that the coaching is not very good, or do you think it's both? Oh, well, I think it's a combination of mm. both. The coaching isn't very good, uh, and I remember my father when Dave Sexton took over at Chelsea. And I'd come through the system with Tommy Doherty and had Frank Lance and Tommy Harm as my youth team coaches. And my dad said to Dave Sexton when he came back to Chelsea, he said, look, let me tell you something. He said, don't try and coach him. Um, he knows how to play the game. And I was only a kid. I was 17, 18. I said, he's all, he said he's already been taught how to play the game. Coach is a bad word. Um, you know, you educate your kids. Um, how to play the game. And as I said earlier, you, you go and watch him show him great players and say, that's the standard you want to get to. As you, as you followed up with the other thing was, you coach, they coach it out of the kids. You know, you, you can't tell a talented kid what to do. Uh, and when I got turned away from Fulham, they said I was too small. And my dad said, look, he will grow, he'll grow. What, what, what do you want? In my, in, when we were kids, you know, the London schoolboys, international schoolboys, we're all five foot ten, they're all big and strong and all that. And my dad said, look, as soon as you develop, you're going to be better than them. Because skill will always overcome strength and power. And that's what the England team has done. We've always had players in midfield who can run and run and run. You know, but we haven't got the perlos in Italy. We haven't got the great players that with a bit of finesse. And I think that is, that's what's gone wrong in, in our game. And I think that the, the interesting point about that, I think, I mean, because, of course, the youngsters have just uh, won the Under-17 World Cup. And, uh, yeah. you know, w- and, and I heard something really interesting on the radio, actually. I mean, it might have even been Joey Barton, believe it or not. But, you yeah. know, that the issue being that, actually, we, we do have players who are technically gifted. We do have finesse yeah. and flair players in this game. So it belies this myth that, 
all we can do is run around and tackle and head the ball and have energy. You know, we have got gifted technical players, haven't we? Wouldn't it be lovely oh, yeah. to see them come through? Well, absolutely. I mean, uh, no one can tell me that the gifted players like actors, singers, anything, that they've stopped being born. Uh, you know, there'll always be gifted players around. But in Chelsea, uh, just to go back, and it's still the same, they should be ashamed of themselves, Chelsea Football Club, mm. but they don't bring any local players through. Mm. Um, as you say, last time with John Terry, but, you know, he'd probably come through the system, but it was a different for John Terry, because he was a big, strong boy, centre-half, terrific player. I see him as a kid. Knew he was going to be the best mm. centre-half in the country, which he was. Uh, but as regards the smaller boys, you know, that play in midfield, they overlook them and think, oh, we'll, we'll get a strong boy in midfield. And, you know, and I just said to a friend of mine, you know, the, the thing with Marino, you know, he, he just broke the record for one nil wins. So, you know, that's not entertainment for me. No. Well, it's interesting, isn't it? And I, I think, I think you know, both the players and the managers in particular, you know, Chelsea are a very different side now to the one that you played in. And there's a huge amount of pressure to win. And uh, I think perhaps that, that's one of the reasons why, you know, it, it's all about the winning and not, not as much about the entertainment. But that having been said, what, what do you think of Antonio Conte? Oh, I like him. I think he's very passionate. Um, I think sometimes, I think he lays himself down quite recently. He's gone a bit, little bit negative, but you expect that from the Italian. <laughs> you know, they've always been. They're, they're, well, they are. Well, they? they're, they're tactical, they're, aren't they? Yeah. They were, yeah, they're a great football nation. But, you know, years and years ago, you know, you look at the Italian league, it was 1 0, 0 0, 1 0 either way. You know, they're, yeah, they're, they're tactical when they. But that is not. That's not entertainment, mm. you know. Um, I like to see teams. I, I think teams should go out. I mean, when I played at Stoke under Waddington, you went out and played. Yeah. You know, and there was no fear. There was nothing. Don't worry about the other team. Just go out and outplay them. You know, and if they score one, you try and get two. Mm. They get two, we get three, you know. And that's, that's very rare in management. Mm. Well, they're definitely um, in modern football, I think. That's for sure. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. You know, England, I mean, every time they go to a top competition, World Cup or European Championship, they fall down when it comes against the good teams. Uh, for instance, when they played Italy and Frank Lampard and Steve Gerrard were midfield, and they're good players, they're top players in the Premier League. Mm. But they just didn't know how to cope with Andrew Perlo. I mean... Mm. And he was, just, he was 35 and he was just walking about controlling the pace of the game. Yeah. Uh, so I'd rather have my kid watch Perlow and say, look, just watch him make space for himself, see the other way he plays. It's proper football, you know. Mm, interesting. Uh, don't run around and like a chicken with his head cut off all the time, <laughs> you know. But this is what, this is what was happening, it, you know, when Graham Taylor was manager, you know, he had Colton Palmer and people like that and David Bay. I mean, come on. Jeff Thomas. You know, this is, yeah, yeah. I mean, this is, this is not international football. Yeah. You know. I know. And, and the annoying thing is really, which annoys me, it isn't what they're getting paid or whatever. Is that the English public, every two years, whatever competition, World Cup, or they spend good money. They travel all around the world and 
You know, they work hard to get their money and they go around the world. And the, the players, they're always in the... Like the last time round, they were over there when all the players were back here. <laughs> that's very true. That's very true. You know. Yeah, that's very true. <laughs> Listen, going going back to Chelsea. I mean, you know, how, how do you think they're doing this uh, this so far this season, and where where do you see it going for the rest of the season? Pretty simple question. <laughs> well, yeah, I think they've got a massive game against Roma. Yeah, that's going to be a pivotal match for them. Uh, they were totally outclassed against them at home. Mm. Got away with it, didn't they? They got away with it. How they got away with it, I'll never know. You know, um, so it's a really tough game. But I think it just seems that Chelsea are better away from home these days. They've always seem to pull a result out of the bag. Um, but I'm not... I'm, I mean, I've got friends who are Chelsea supporters and one or two of them are irate, you know. They say, I don't know, they don't make 20 passes and the ball ends up back with a goalkeeper. Yeah. You know, uh, that's not the right way to play the game. You know, you know this fellow Pep... Guardiola, you know, when he's at Barcelona, you watch Barcelona play, and it's all free flowing, and you know the the proper players. Um, but we have we have got some flair players, haven't we? I mean, I, I, I I'm going to ask you who your favourite uh, Chelsea player in the current squad is, but I have a I have a I I'm going to hazard a guess, Alan, who it might be. You're going to hazard a guess. Yes. Well, hazard is uh, <laughs> when when hazard is. Uh, I, I feel sorry for Hazard because Chelsea rely on him so much and mm. he, he's on a different level to the rest of the players and he relies you know he, he would have been uh, I think that's why he wanted to get away at one stage he wants to play with top players you know um, uh, he he's been their saviour really he's done it again at the weekend mm. but he you know, when they played Tottenham and they done played Tottenham the year before last or whenever it was, yeah. and he, he scored the, you know, he's just, he's just an incredible talent. But, uh, uh, you know, I think if he was honest, if you ask him, he, he, he would like to play in a team that with more, with, I don't know, I don't say better players, but that well, people can relate to him. Yeah, I, I think I think you know, I think you know I, maybe I can say it for you because I, I think that Hazard's probably, you know, I think he's genuinely world class, but I think he's also our only world class player. I mean, you might have a different view, so I can. No, I agree. I yeah. agree with you entirely. I yeah. agree with you entirely. He is, and he's he's just if Hazard got and got the ball at Stamford Bridge or wherever they play, then Chelsea are pretty, you know, they're I wouldn't say average, but they're you know functional. Not a lot going on. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and then, then he gets a ball and something happens and they, then the buzz in the crowd goes on when, whenever the ball, he gets the ball. It certainly does me. If I'm sitting at home watching the game, I, I want him to give the ball to Hazard because yeah. he's, he can make the night, you know? Yeah, and to be honest, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm lucky enough to have a season ticket there, obviously, Alan, and that's exa- you can feel it in the crowd when he gets the ball. I mean, funnily Absolutely. enough, the, o- the only issue I have... I mean, this, you might have an interesting view on this because the only frustration I have with Hazard... When he when I see him get the ball, he gets the ball thirty forty yards out, starts running uh, towards the penalty area, beats a couple of players, and then he send, tends to get to the eighteen yard, yard uh, box and he, and he passes it to somebody else. And, and I, the number of times I say, "Go on, go on and score," because he's got the talent to do it, hasn't he? Well, he has, he has. But um, I think that I remember in nineteen seventy with the Brazilians, you know, 
when Pele played, and that was a World Cup, the best World Cup of all time, you know. They had players where they had five players in the forward line where they could just bounce off each other and give it yeah. and have no fear. But Hazard seems to look around and think, who can I give it to? Because yeah. they won't get it back. Or, you know, when he was playing with Costa, Costa got a lot of goals, but yeah. they play into Costa and Costa's ball on the floor and Hazard will be looking, you know, what's going on here. Why can't he stay on his feet, you know? Because he's got that wonderful balance, Hazard. Yeah, he? you know, hasn't he just? He's like... He's like the Maradona, the, the Messi, the George Best. They have these state players have got, you know, they're all around the same size. They've got the low sense of gravity. And, you know, they're just wonderful players. And he is outstanding. You know, on his day, Manchester City haven't got a player like him. Mm. That's an interesting point. You know? Well, he, he's certainly our best player. And I, I, I feel very privileged to, to watch him play every weekend now we we need to wrap this up really but uh, before you go I'm, I'm going to ask you just just a quickie actually because you see you, working man's ballet is not your only book I, mean, I remember last time we spoke um you'd just written the tinker and the tailor man hadn't you sorry the tinker and the yeah. talisman um so yeah. is, is can you still get hold of that book i i, I guess so i've been, I've, I've never really looked at it that much so uh, um it was it was quite a strange book to write it was when I started writing that because the Bromovich took over the that's right it made it quite clear that he was going to sack Ranieri which was unfair Um, and I got on the front cover it was Abramovich at the top of the page and Ranieri looking up and praying it was you know one of those sort of uh, books and it was quite interesting Uh, it wasn't it, it, I think it was an interesting book. It wasn't one of my better books. No, the, uh, it was just a sign. It was just a sign of the times, really. I think. Yeah. So it's kind of a book of the moment in a sense. But uh, yeah. Ob, ob, yeah. I mean, ob, obviously, the main thing is the working man's ballet, and of course, there's a there's a do, isn't there, in Epsom? It's at Epsom Golf Club this Wednesday, I believe. I plan to yeah, go along. Wednesday night. Yeah, yeah. We're going to be there. Me and Martin are going to do a talk about the book, which will be good. I'm looking forward to that, and. Uh, I'm excited about this book. I mean, I've got, there's another book out at the moment called Huddy, which Jason Pegg wrote. Right? Oh yeah, yeah, I know yeah. about that. It, yeah, it's good. I mean, it's a good. It's really a good read. Uh, but they're to, two entirely different. He's writing a book about me, whereas the ballet is all about my life and how I was brought up, and you know, my run-ins with England managers, Chelsea managers, Arsenal managers. Yeah, it's like a boxing match. This one. Uh, but I, I'm just delighted that Martin and John King decided to publish it for me, you know. Well, fair play uh, to them and their top lads. I mean, you know, basically, uh, I mean, I know that they crowdfunded it and a lot of us would have, yes. would have, you know, paid for the book by crowdfunding it. But I presume it's going to get a wider release, isn't it? It's going to be on Amazon and stuff like that. I think it, I think it might be out on the 15th of November, I think I read somewhere. Yeah, it's actually, I've actually got a copy. Uh, so it's, it's out in about, but we haven't really pushed it. We don't, you know, I think Martin's away uh, at the end of this year and we said, well, we'll really push it in the new year. But I think it'd be good to push it out before Christmas because it's a terrific Christmas gift, you know? Absolutely. And of course, um, you know, people can come along and uh, they can have a chat with you on Wednesday. It's at Epsom, I should just read the address out so people know. It's at Epsom Golf Club. Long Down Lane South, Epsom Downs in Surrey. Kicks off at half seven this Wednesday, the 1st of November. It's free to get in, which is great news, but uh, yeah. I believe you can uh, I believe you can pick up a book for a tenner on the night, which is uh, a bit cheaper than it is normally. And no, doubt, and no doubt you'll be signing copies for people as well. 
Yeah, and I think it's good for people to come along and have a chat. We, they, they watch me and Martin have a chat. We do have a laugh. We, we make it a fun evening. Uh, and they can have their photos done while you're signing the book and all that kind of stuff. And it's all, as you mentioned earlier on, it's all honesty. It's not, it's not, not like today's football where it's all about money. You know, <laughs> Absolutely. As, as you say, you know, it's free to get in. You know, nobody wants to rip anyone off. It's mean it's hard enough out there. Uh, just let them come along and watch the evening, enjoy the evening, and have a book signed. And it's Christmas, you know. Excellent stuff. Well, I shall I shall be hot footing it up from uh, Southampton, so I'll struggle to get there for half seven, but I'll be there because it'd be nice to say hello to you in person. I haven't seen you for a long time, Alan. Well, it's... we'll put, we'll put a kick off back. <laughs> don't do that for me I'm not, I'm not that important listen mate it's been brilliant talking to you again I wish you, you. all the best in the world with this book because it Thank really you. does Thank deserve you. a huge you know a huge readership and I hope people rush out and buy it because uh, not only were you a, a Chelsea hero of so many of us but uh, it's a great read so I'm so I'm led to believe I'm, I shall look forward to reading it very soon mate and hopefully we'll speak to you again soon as well and I look forward to seeing you Wednesday night we'll have a good night well, how about that? That was uh, that was absolutely fantastic, and, and and yet again, many thanks to Alan for uh, for giving us his time with an absolutely fascinating interview about his book, The Working Men's Ballet, and also, of course, um, you know his career and his thoughts on Chelsea at the moment. Always interesting to talk to Alan, and I, as I said, will be going along uh, this Wednesday, November the first, to the. Uh, it's, it's kind of a book launch, um, but anyway, whatever. And Martin Knight, as Alan said, is going to be interviewing him, which will be interesting because Martin's a great guy as well. And Alan will be signing copies of the book, uh, and it's at the Epsom Golf Club, as we said, which is Long Down Lane South, Epsom Downs. Kicks off at half seven. Uh, I don't think Alan will put it back for me because I'll be late, but uh, there you go. Admission is free, and you can buy the book on the night for a tenner. So get your asses over there. It'll be a cracking evening. I guarantee. Now, after the break, we've got uh, a few uh, bits of Chelsea supporter news, and uh, also we've got some fantastic emails from Nate Piacentino, Graham Harvey, and Andrew Whitehawk. We'll be back in a second. Real fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy. And you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Up the Chelsea! Footballfancast.com Right, welcome back. I'm Stanford Chidge, and you're listening to the Chelsea Fancast, of course. And it's uh, the uh, the home straight, the last part. Uh, it's not an excuse to bugger off and make a cup of tea, or go and listen to the London is Blue podcast, or the Chelsea for that matter or other podcasts are available. No, this is a time when we give you important supporters' news that we need your help from. But also, more importantly, we have we have some brilliant emails this week. I have to say, this week is, is a cracker. They've excelled themselves this week. They clearly took heed of my moan last week, and they have done us proud. But before all of that, as I said, we've got a bit of a roundup of the news, or a bit of pluggery, as they say. Uh, and just a reminder, of course, uh, dear Paul Cannaville, who's, who's a great friend of the Chelsea Fancast, uh, as we all know, he's been uh, he's not been very well recently, uh, and I think he's getting back on his feet. He's now at home, I believe, and he's getting out and about, so he's on the way to recovery, but it will be slow, and he still needs our help. He's not been able to earn any money, uh, which is one of the main problems that he's got, other than the, the very serious illness that he had. 
Um, and as we know, Paul is wonderful, lovely, very humble guy, and is always keen to help anybody who asks. So it's it's our turn to help him, really. As I said, uh, his unexpected illness and surgery has incapacitated him, and he's unable to work at the moment. So if you want to show your appreciation of all the good work that he does and help him back on his feet, then you need to go here, www.gofundme.com forward slash Paul hyphen Canaville, C-A-N-O-V-I-L-L-E, hyphen get hyphen well hyphen fund hyphen GBP. GBP. I know you will. Do not let us down. He is an absolute trooper, is Paul, and he's lovely. And uh, if you're listening, Paul, uh, get well soon, and we'll hopefully speak to you again soon as well. Right, now, normally at this juncture, the wonderful Jonathan Kidd uh, would be reading out a superb blog, what Alex wrote about her trip, but luckily we have her tonight in person. So you can give us a more edited version, Alex, but tell us what you're up to and why we have to donate to your wonderful fund i shall read this out now it's, oh, it's uk.virginmoney it? oh yeah oh. uk.virginmoney shush i'm reading the, <laughs> reading the bloody url out there's no stopping you is there oh. uk.virgin uk.virginmoneygiving.com forward slash alexandra churchill that's where you donate but why should they donate alex tell the people more importantly has jonathan been doing my voice when he's been reading it out um, I tried, but there was such derision that I oh, felt it was not a good it. idea to keep it going. More worryingly, Alex, he was wearing your clothes when he did it. I lent them to him. <laughs> He's left a bit of a bulge in a thong, though. It's going to have to go in the bin. That's what I love about you, Alex. You have no shame. No. You have no shame. You you, I love you, you to pieces. You think you can for be that. smutty, and I'll be like, "Oh no," and all blushing. But I'll just hit you back harder. I know. Doesn't that never happen? Yeah. It'll never happen. <laughs> so come on, then tell us about the walk. Tell us about the walk and why we need to donate. It's a great so, cause. I know that. In less than three weeks now, or right about three weeks dead on, I fly out with another Chelsea fan to a mom in Jordan. Then we go to the Dead Sea, the southern tip of the Dead Sea, and then we start walking and we spend a week trotting across the desert. Um, we get to go past some pretty cool shit, if I'm honest. Crusader forts, uh, Roman ruins, places where they filmed Indiana Jones and Lawrence of Arabia. And we end up in Petra, the ancient city of Petra, which if you saw the photos, you'd knew what I was talking about. It's all that red sandstone columns and that built into the side of a mountain, that shit. Um, so that's where we end up. And we're doing it for Veterans in Action, which if you go to Stamford Bridge, that's the uh, verbose Scottish chap with his beret on, former Royal Engineer Billy. That's his charity. Um, and they're the ones that give out the blue and yellow wristbands. And uh, they, what they do is help rehabilitate servicemen and women who are still feeling quite poorly. Um, and they do it through activities and um, sort of things that get them out in groups and get them participating in life again. Like then the big thing they're planning now is to take a load of ex service people on a massive road trip from Britain to the other end of Greece. And in doing so, they'll be taking some people back through Bosnia and Kosovo and places like that to help them process what they've been through and stuff. So it's a small charity, but it's a really worthy charity. I don't like big charities with super salary directors and stuff. I wanted to do something for, for a little charity and they sort of they're the ones out on the street collecting the money and they're the ones that are in charge of it so it's a really really good cause so please give me your money and we love you so we'll do it willingly but i I went well you're off in what three weeks time Uh, so i think i leave on the day of the west brom game and get back in time to watch the scouse game on the telly 
All right. Well, we'll uh, we'll we'll bid you a, a fond farewell nearer the time. But uh, I think we've got you on one more time with Tony, haven't we? Before that, so we'll give it one more push, the big push, as they like to say in your historical circles. But good luck with that. Well done, I Alex. Uh, please give generously. Than some of the World War One pushes, but yeah. Well, that's <laughs> true. That's very true. Um, one more time. It's uh, h. It's http colon forward slash forward slash. But I think if you just put in uk.virginmoneygiving.com forward slash Alexandra Churchill, please give generously. She's lovely. She's absolutely lovely, and she's a real trooper for doing this, so she deserves our backing. I'm going to just quickly spin through the rest of this, and then uh, I'm going to let Jonathan get on with the emails, which, as I said, are brilliant this week. They are fantastic. You will not be disappointed. They made me roar with laughter and then some. But before all that, um, quick plug for the Supporters Trust, of course. Join the Trust. Get your voice heard by the club. Uh, we've got a meeting coming up with uh, the board of, well, some of the board of Chelsea on November the 16th, so watch this space. Um, it's five quid to become a voting member, or it's free for non-voting members, but why would you not want to vote? Sign up, five quid, get a badge, lovely. Uh, and you can do that at chelseasupporterstrust.com, and that means you can attend the meetings and any events we have and vote on the issues that directly affect you and make sure you get your voice heard. And yes, if you are asking, I will be putting up the... Uh, podcast of the SGM we had last weekend, weekend before last now, and of course the Q&A that we had with Pat Nevin, which was absolutely fantastic. And you can follow them on Twitter, at Chelsea S Trust. Uh, talking of which, actually, um, it's Fans Forum uh, soon, next week in fact, and I do believe that uh, the main item on the agenda will be ticketing, so uh, the biggest, hottest potato of the lot when it comes to supporters' issues. And uh, those of you should know, but that Clayton Beerman is our Chelsea fancast representative on the fans' forum. Um, and uh, that is, I think, the day before we meet the club, actually. But uh, if you want to send in any issues you have with tickets, ticketing, access, particularly the foreign fans, you know, those from overseas, you have a really rum deal trying to get tickets, can you email chelseafancast at gmail.com bloody quickly and then i will get them to i will get them to clayton and he will raise it at the fans forum all the way right, tickets CPO. should now be on lord's points well that's a good point um anyway if you want to own a little bit of chelsea and protect the future of the club go and buy a share in the cpo chelsea pitch owners who of course own the freehold of stamford bridge and whose aim it is to ensure that we stay playing football at stamford bridge uh, to find out how to buy a share email info at chelseapitchowners.com or check out chelseafc.com forward slash fans forward slash chelsea hyphen pitch hyphen owners you know it makes sense uh, now, uh, the latest issue of CFC UK is still available, I believe. Uh, so if you can't get a, a CFC, but of course, you know, you go to Fulham Broadway, uh, opposite the Fulham Broadway exit of the Tube. There is DJ and Marco shivering their gonads off uh, selling copies of the fanzine. Uh, so make sure you do that. If you can't do that, of course, you can always get it digitally by subscribing online at cfcuk.net. And if you're in the US of A, you can follow at CFCUKUSA. And, of course, you can also get a proper copy from Dan Lundberg, who's on Twitter, at DLundberg underscore. Now, uh, one of the things that we've done this season is that we've set up an account with something called Patreon. And it's basically so you can patronise us. Uh, I wish that that was true. I wish that you could all patronise us, uh, because we've been patronising you for far too long. But in all seriousness, it's basically a vehicle whereby, if you like what we do... You can support us, uh, you know, more physically, as it were, which means you can 
donate a small amount uh, of money. Yes, real cash, not not the kind of chocolate gold coins beloved at Christmas time. No, no, this is proper money which you send electronically to us every month. Uh, you don't have to. I mean, I, I won't think anything less of you if you don't. Um, but if you do, it helps us uh, kind of running costs of the shows, which. I, I, I politeness forbids me to tell you how much I've spent on this bloody show in nearly 10 years. Um, but it just helps, and it's nice, and it's a nice way for you to say thank you if that's what you want to do. But as I said, no pressure either way. We still love you. Uh, but if you do want to, just go to www.patreon, which is P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash Chelsea Fancast. Now, I have some breaking news. Almost a drum roll. Paul Crowder could do a much better drum roll because he's a drummer, and I'm just an amateur. But anyway, um, breaking news, yes. Those of you who have listened to the London is Blue podcast from yesterday, which I was on, will know that uh, those lovely chaps from uh, from London are blue, or London is Blue, are going to be over the pond, in uh, over the pond, uh, well, I'm, actually, I'm going to read this again, because I made a complete bollock to this. <laughs> right. Yes. Take two. I don't know. I just got carried away with myself there. Anyway, you know, those nice... London is blue. You know, those nice chaps from over the pond in the US of A. Well, they will be doing a joint podcast, a joint podcast on Saturday, December the 2nd, with us, with the Chelsea Fancast, after the Newcastle match. Uh, we're hoping it's going to be in the Atlas pub which is a great boozer. It's where we have the SGM meetings, but we're yet to confirm that, so don't rush there trying to you know, put it in your diary. But it will be on the December the 2nd. It will be after the Newcastle match. Uh, and it will, as ever, be broadcast live on Mixler, and then it'll go up as a podcast both on London is Blue, on their platform, and on the Chelsea Fancast. Uh, I'm going to present it together with one of the uh, London is Blue guys, possibly Nick or Brandon, maybe even Dan, um, but obviously the other two of them will obviously be in it most of the time as well. Uh, and of course I'm going to get some of the lovely Chelsea fancasters to come along and be on it too, should they wish to be so. I mean, it's not a three-line whip, but it'd be nice to have a few fancasters there too. And we're going to have a few special guests, because uh, I know that there are other things being planned that day. So there may be journalists there that will be around. There'll be some of our favourite Chelsea authors. It's going to be a right old gas uh, and uh, it'll be lovely. It's what we used to call in old money a simulcast. There you go. But it's a bit of a joint, yes, a simulcast, but a joint effort. And I love those guys, you know, and I've always been supportive of them, and they uh, have been supportive of us, even though they are megalithic corporate entity that you only get in the States, and they probably could crush us like an ant. But for some reason, they love me and they call me the Podfather. So I thought, well, let's get it, let's get this thing on and let's form a supergroup and do it together. So there we go. So look forward to that. Uh, Saturday, December the second, after the Newcastle game, it'll be a live show after the match. I will be pissed. I warn you now, and it'll also be a podcast. So there you go. Right, that's enough. More than enough from me. Uh, take it away, Mr. Jonathan Kidd. This is from uh, Nate Piacentino. Greetings and salutations from Kitchener, Ontario. I recently stumbled upon your podcast and it has changed my life, uh, Nate. Well, that's not really true, but I do enjoy listening to you guys. I've always loved listening to sports talk radio in the car, but I never considered the possibility that podcasts might better suit my needs. Probably, probably because I didn't really know what a podcast was. As you can imagine, they do not talk about soccer too much on the radio in the greater Toronto area. During the summer months, they talk Blue Jays, that's a baseball team, and for the rest of the year, it's the Maple Leafs 
That's a hockey team. I hate the Leafs, so I've always had to suck it up and hope they talked about something else, at least for a bit. However, a few months back, I was talking to a guy from work and he was rambling on about how he listens to a podcast about comic book movie news. And that got me thinking, this guy is really boring. But it also made me think I should see if there are any podcasts that talk about the things that I'm interested in. So I Googled, what is a podcast? Then I Googled, what is the best Chelsea podcast? Naturally, the Chelsea fan cast was top of the pile obviously i listened to the second best podcast first the silver medalists do have a very solid pod but they also have those terrible american accents too eh therefore i upgraded and listened to the chelsea fan cast and now you have yourself a new faithful listener i still listen to the other guys too they're all right now being a good canadian boy (laughs) with maple syrup coursing through my veins i do love hockey but I really love football and I really, really love Chelsea. And unfortunately, most of my friends slash co-workers hate soccer. I do know some football fans, but they don't really follow it that closely. And of the few friends I have who do follow the game closely, none support Chelsea. My wife has become a fan by association and she will humour me with her pseudo support. Realistically, she only cheers for the team because she wants to keep me in a good mood. It's got to the point now she will not even watch the games with me anymore due to my wild mood swings throughout Typically, she will take our 16-month-old daughter, yes, we named her Chelsea, out for a couple of hours and hope that she won't have to deal with a cranky husband when she gets home. As a result, the only person I can interact with during the game is my freeloader of a dog. And most of the time, he doesn't even pay attention. I tried becoming a member of the Chelsea fan club of Toronto, but I live an hour and a half away from where they meet up for games. Who has that kind of time? So I really was in a position where I didn't know where I could get some quality Chelsea talk. I was so desperate, I almost started a blog. I thought maybe some other isolated Chelsea fans might read it. But I'm very, very lazy, and that seems like a lot of work. I suppose I could read someone else's blog, I guess. But you know what's great about podcasts? No reading. I'm so glad I, I'm so glad I found not on this show. No, I'm so glad I found your podcast. You guys do a fantastic job. It's no surprise you've lasted for over 400 episodes and I hope it keeps going for many more years because I was late to the party. It's clear that you're genuine fans and you truly love the team. Oh yes. I'm so jealous that you guys are season ticket holders and you get to meet up with friends before and after going to the games to have a few pints and talk Chelsea. It's a lifelong dream to one day get to Stamford Bridge or wherever they'll be playing by the time I get there, at least once. But the best I can do right now is watch from home, then listen to you guys chat, and I'm really enjoying it. So thank you so much for that. I will continue to send in the occasional email and hope to hear back from you on the show every once in a while. I'll try not to bother you too much, but as pathetic as it sounds, you are my best Chelsea friends right now, boys. Cheers. Nate and girl, of course. P.S. Apparently, Twitter is a great way for Chelsea fans to interact. So I caved in and created a Twitter account for all my Chelsea fandom. At on underscore Chelsea, except Chelsea spelt C-H-E-L-S, capital E, capital H. See what I did there? 
he says. Your listeners can give it a follow if they want, or don't. I'm not that clever, and I don't have any breaking news or anything like that. But we all love Chelsea. Let's talk about it. Let me repeat that Twitter handle. Come underscore on underscore Chelsea, spelt C-H-E-L-S, capital E, capital H. And that's from Nate Piacentino. Excellent, excellent mail. Brilliant, wasn't it? Yeah, Brilliant. Yeah. I, I can't wait. N- Nate, I think that's one of the best emails we've ever had. I'm and, a little and I cannot wait. To... Yeah. yeah, I am yes. too. I can't, I can't wait to have a beer with Nate. Uh, uh, somewhere near Stamford Bridge, that would be brilliant. And by the way, to see what he did there, it's come on Chelsea because as yeah, as yeah, I yeah. know, because I love Canada and I go there a lot. They all go uh, after every sentence they go a, which is very endearing. I think. Oh, um, you did see, you I'm, enjoy that, Seb? I missed you, that. You've not, I missed you've that. Not, you've, Sorry, I missed that. Chelsea. Oh, I know. Well, that's why I yeah, thought I'd let yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, Seb, did you, did you like that email? Yeah. So it was just like we haven't heard from yeah, you. No, so no, so I wanted to make sure fact, you're still alive no, and not asleep. No, it's great to hear that. That we have lots of fans across across the world and that they 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 have the same passion as we do obviously it's unfortunate not everyone has the opportunity like we do to to see see our our friends and so-called heroes week in week out so to to see the same sort of passion for uh, our club and our uh, and this and this sort of the people we we hang around it is it's it's great to hear that that people appreciate not only what change what you do with the fan cast but obviously sort of what we sort of represent in terms of Chelsea as a football club to people part of me wants to yes, walk the other words, way back across words. the desert to fund getting him over here for a game well there we go maybe we should try and do that maybe that's how I could spend the Patreon money but don't give them any ideas um, now listen this is the beauty of doing a live show because uh, for the first time in absolutely ages my great I do love this guy hugely Paul Crowder one of my favourite people in the world uh, who uh, I had on the show when when I did a show in Los Angeles many years ago when I was over there uh, working actually, but also to go and see Chelsea play into Milan uh, in Pasadena. And Paul was listening to me saying, "What we need is a drum roll," and I did a very shitty attempt. So Paul, who uh, as well as being a great musician drummer, is also an acclaimed uh, film editor and film director. I mean, he's made some cracking films. Um, you know, too many to mention now, but uh, I'm going to just play you this because he sent me this, and I think this will work. Ready? Ready. How good was that? Awesome. <laughs> it was. I've got a drum roll. So now every time I can do, every time I fancy it, thanks to Paul, I can just play in a drum roll like that. I, 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 do you know what? That's the most exciting thing that's happened on the fancast in in the in the four hundred and two shows we've done. <laughs> I think. But that just that just proves how sad I am. Anyway, Jonathan, we we you know we've had one great email. We've got another two more to get through. So we sh- I should shut up and let you carry on, really, shouldn't this I? This is from Graham Harvey, and he's put at the beginning of this in brackets. I feel that to get the best out of this email, Jonathan should be wearing a velvet smoking jacket and eating white chocolate mice. Ah. And a cravat. Yes, and a cravat. And, of course, no trousers. 
and one of the, <laughs> no trousers. And one of the cigarettes in the long holders as well. It was a very long holder. And also, I should speak sort of telling me like that all the way through, shouldn't I? Because that's and looking at everyone over your half spectacles. Yes, yes. I shall read the first sentence in the voice I will not be using. I promised Chidge when I met him at the stall opposite Fulham Broadway Station that I would write an email. And here it is. (laughs) (laughs) You have to have that pause. And here it is. That was, I promised Chidge when I met him at the stall opposite Fulham Broadway Station, I would write an email. And here it is. Dear Chidge and the boys, stroke girl who likes balls. It's you, Alex. My background, not my background, Graham's background. My background, I was born in Westminster, about three and a half miles from Stamford Bridge and lived in Pimlico, not far from where the fan cast was once broadcast in Sutherland Street. The street where we, Pat, once lived when he first arrived in London to play for Chelsea. So, Chelsea were my local team. My dad and sister both supported Chelsea and my mum was indifferent to the whole concept of football. When I first discovered football in the mid-60s, I was aware of Chelsea and several other clubs, but I had no allegiance to any club in particular. My first team, I suppose, was the England team, especially after the summer of 1966, but no football league team held my support. However, my favourite player was George Best. This state held for about four years until March 1969, but I did support a particular team in first or in the first all-London FA Cup final. I hope you're all sitting down. A stiff drink may be needed to steady the nerves. For the 1967 FA Cup final, I supported Tottingham, the Spuds. There are three things to say. There are three things to say in my defence. Number one, I was eight years old. I chose the Spuds because I was being a rebel against my dad and sister. You know, it's what kids do. Number two, It has no lasting effect on me. I did not become a Tottingham supporter in any shape or form. Number three, at least the Spuds had Jimmy Greaves. So happily, the summer of 67 passed and I resumed my England supporting ways. No harm was done. Then in February 1969, a a friend said to me one day, "Uh, I'm going out to Stanford Bridge to get a ticket for an FA Cup. That's very unfair. It's not sounding like Mick Jagger. I'm going up to Stamford Bridge to get a ticket for an FA Cup game. Do you want to come with me? And for some reason, I said yes. I think it was a half-term week and there was nothing to do. So a trip out on a number 11 bus from Ebury Bridge to the other end of the King's Road seemed like an exciting thing to do. Well, that was the first time I'd been to a proper league football ground. And on the way back home, with encouragement from my mate, I decided I would get a ticket and go to the game. Chelsea versus West Bromwich Albion, who were the holders of the cup at the time. On the day, Saturday the 1st of March, I met, me, I, meet up, I met up with my mate and his cousin, an adult mind, and off we went to the bridge. I'd been warned by my dad about going in the shed, which was notorious, and promises had been made by the cousin that that would not happen. I'll leave you to guess where we stood. What an atmosphere. I can't remember how much of the game I actually saw, but the excitement was like a drug. Man alive. What a life-forming experience. I seem to recall I may have twisted my ankle at one point. The result on the day was a 2-1 defeat, and I suppose I could have become an Albion supporter. But no, the die had been set. From that day on, I was a true blue supporter. My next visit to the bridge was a couple of weeks later to see Chelsea win 3-2 against the then holders of the European Cup. 
Manchester United. I got to see George Best for the first time, but he was no longer my football hero. Tambling and Bonetti had taken his place. I became a regular visitor to the bridge, and one of the greatest nights of football for me was the second leg of the European Cup Winners' Cup against Bruges. We'd lost the first leg against Bruges 2-0, and what an epic comeback that night, led by Osgood, two goals to win 4-0. When the third goal went in, absolute pandy-fucking-monium. I've since become a season ticket holder in 1984 and bought a Chelsea pitch owner's share when they were first launched. I don't go to away games, although I did some travelling between 84 and 94. Derby County, the Manchesters, Liverpool, Coventry, Arsenal, Tottenham, Crystal Palace, Fulham, QPR, Wolverhampton, Wanderers, Bournemouth and Plymouth Argyle for a friendly. I discovered the fan cast a few seasons ago when you were transmitting out of the badlands of Pimlico. It appears that Twitter does have some uses. It was my intention to pitch up in the White Ferry on a Monday evening for a beer and some red-hot soccer chat before a recording, but your circumstances changed. The fan cast makes me feel part of the big, happy Chelsea family and has made supporting my club that much better. Thank you to all those involved, past and present. I should say that I also listen to The Podding Shed, The Chelsea and London is Blue. They're all great in their own unique way. I finish this email having watched the nil one win over Bournemouth. Another three points, but we should have won it more convincingly. Well, I have to say another super email, Jonathan, and actually Bob Usery, the lovely Bob, who is, I have to say, what you may or may not know, Jonathan, is Bob is normally the first sitting in Mixler waiting for us to start of a Monday evening, and I, and I love him for that. And he's just said, this is like Jack and Nori, I love it. And I was actually going to say to you, JK, we need to rename this segment JK Nori. <laughs> I see what you did there. <laughs> well, but am I... Hang on, hang on, hang on. Oh, yeah. Was that... Oh, it didn't fucking work. Was that spooky? <laughs> was, that spooky music? Was, that, was that Halloween music or was it just the drum roll? I can't make it go backwards. Oh, hang on, that's a can. Ready, ready. Just pretend that didn't happen, everybody. Can you rewind? Oh. Hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Okay. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Uh, brilliant email, Jonathan, wasn't it? Oh, lovely, 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 beautifully. Nicely written and just flowed beautifully. It's lovely to hear all these stories about uh, um, people, how people got to supporting the blues and uh, and um, matches they've seen, their views on anything, everything. It's just great. I love it. I love it. But it's a good point actually. If I'm if I'm reading it too um, in a too much of a Jackanory way, I can go flatter if you like. They it loved quicker. it. No, they Is loved it. it. Right? They Is loved it. Right? it. Mr. No, Mr. Kurt said he was loving the voice characterizations on this one. Easy for me to say. No. So there you go. You knock yourself out, mate, and have some fun. Anyway, last one, because we really need to push on, because we're, we're over budget on time. Now this is so from, what did one. you call him? Andrew Whitecock. <laughs> <laughs> no, I did not. I did not do that. Andrew Whitecock. Everybody libel. knows I said that. It's libelous. Everybody it's knows I said that. I'll, I'll read exactly. the, I'll read the first you, line sir. in, my, um, in my, uh, my Alex impression, all right, <laughs> which, which I use, okay. Dearest Mr. Chidge, Mr. Kidd, and all the other fan <laughs> listeners and contributors to the Chelsea fancast, past and present. You sound like Mrs. Slocum. In your bracket. <laughs> Please say the thing about pussy. Yeah, yeah,
she used to say anything to do with her pussy all the time, wasn't it? You know, oh, have a look at my pussy. My pussy's very ill at the moment. My pussy's a bit sick. My pussy's gone green. Um, yeah. Anyway. I'm free. <laughs> I'm free. I'm free. The Americans um, are sitting there thinking, what the fucking hell is going on? What, what is this? I used to love the young Mr. Grace coming in and saying, you've all done very well. That's my favourite bit. Um... Good, here we go. This is Andrew Whitock. Dearest, dearest Mr. Chidge, Mr. Kid. How lovely. And all the other fab listeners and contributors to the Chelsea Fancast, past and present. Well said, Andrew. I've been an avid listener to the pod for quite a while, since Ancelotti clinched the double for us in 2009. You've brought much Chelsea enlightenment to my life, transforming me from a disenchanted overseas supporter back to a feeling of what Chelsea and proper Chelsea is all about. So many heartfelt congratulations on reaching number 400. The work you all do is great. And I have, of course, enjoyed the variety and quality of the different contributors you've had and continue to have. My favourites include Cheltel, Dazza Mantle, the giggling Ross Mooring, nothing to be scared of, and the banter and blue-tinted bias, with glasses clinking in the background at the Putney station. But many others, including Jonathan, oh, thank you, deserve more than honourable mentions. I was a regular at the bridge as well as away as a teenager in the late 80s and early 90s, graduating from the we are the west side, we are the west side of the shed, to the benches, we're the west side, we're the west side, we're the west side of the shed, to the benches, where I spent many years with my dad, rekindling his love of Chelsea from the 40s and 50s and 60s that he'd passed on to me. We then had season tickets in the Matthew Harding Lower in the late 90s. After Dad passed away in 99, I kept the tickets going for a few years, but then moved to Toulouse, France in 2002, and my days at the bridge came to an end just as the Abramovich era dawned. Like all of you, I have many fantastic memories with Chelsea, but apart from some of the more obvious and well-discussed trophy-winning moments, my highlights would include a screamer from Andy Townsend from outside the box at Loftus Road. Yep, I was there. And the Vinnie Jones lob at Anfield to give us our first win there for 56 years. And I stood on the cop that day. Also, LeBeuf's last-minute winner against Leicester at the bridge. Yes, I was there. Those two games as well. After a few years as an armchair supporter in France from 2002, perhaps read Chaise Long, my new Chelsea life started in 2006 when my son Alex, partly named after a central defender of the time, was born. Fortunately, he loved me singing the Chelsea songs to him, and apart from the occasional lyric change to keep it clean, he still wants to know how we would never be mastered by no northern mustard. He knows his way around the <laughs> Chelsea songbook and therefore hates Tottenham. Both members for the last three or four years, we've been to a couple of low-key games because getting tickets to the bigger ones is never easy because we never get the loyalty points. Today's podcast you're broad broadcasting marks a new chapter in my now 11-year-old son's life. He's listened to bits of the podcast in the past, notably Chant of the Match and the angelic and harmonious renditions of Strolling a few years back. By the way, our favourite song at the moment is the Tommy Baldwin song, what team? He's a leader, leader of the team. Anyway, this will be his first complete podcast, beginning to end, every word. Why? Because we will be listening to the podcast on Tuesday as we finalise the second part of a dad stroke son 12-hour road trip to Rome from South Germany, where we now live, 
on Tuesday morning. Alex would be attending his first away Chelsea match, where I'm hoping there'll be a great atmosphere and the Chelsea choir will be on top form, taking us through the Chelsea songbook. So I'd like to ask for a short dedication and hello to Alex Whitock, top Chelsea supporter from the podcast crew, and wish him luck for this first away match. We would also appreciate advice on how and where to meet up with fellow Chelsea supporters or fancast people on the day of the match in Rome. And finally, I'd like some comical insight from the panel as to why you dislike Barcelona, Paris Saint-Germain and Bayern Munich. We often focus too much on Spurs and Scousers and Alex's playground battles are all about them. I'll keep my stories about the Champions League final, my dad's stories and my views on the current team out of this mail as I realise it's already far too long. Chidge and all, keep up the fine work and the humour. Don't underestimate how much your work and effort is appreciated, especially for long-suffering and long-distance fans, or in my case, both. All the best. Andy Whitock. P.S. Any supporters ever over in Karlsruhe, Germany, around a weekend match, please look me up. P.P. PPS, is anyone out there who was part of the Chelsea Netters, our CFC email mailing list team from the late 90s, uh, before the days of the Chelsea website, when we could only get news from the mail server? PPPS, please feel free to edit or abridge the mail. <laughs> Too late. Not a chance. Too late. I realise it's long, but I'd really appreciate at least a short hello to my son Alex and to wish him a good match in Rome. So uh, I think we did that about halfway through, didn't we? When was that? Yeah. Um, well, I think we should do it again. Should do it All again. of us should Hello, do it. Alex. After you. J- Jonathan, you first. Hello, Alex. You first, Jonathan. Hello, Alex. Uh, good luck on your very first away match in Rome. What a great place to watch, to watch the Blues play for the first time away. Brilliant. I hope you have a fantastic time. And I hope we win. And I hope you know your dad's taught yeah, you all right. the songs that you can then join in. So, uh, I mean, that was right. fantastic. I don't think they'll do the Tommy Baldwin song. If they do, that'll be great. They probably do that in a pub beforehand. I used to love that. Because it, 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 yeah. it goes on a bit. Alexandra, would you like, would you like to wish uh, Alex Whitock uh, a, a bon, bon chance for the match? I would, but I need to tell him as well that there's a severe amount of pressure on his young shoulders because when you're little and you go to your first game and you lose... Everyone tells you that's it, you're not allowed to come again. So you have to make sure <laughs> that we win and make sure that you sing loudly. Don't be mean. Because otherwise people will tell you you're yeah. a bad luck charm and you won't be able to go again. Don't listen to her, Alex. She's talking <laughs> nonsense. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get mine in there before Seb does. But I just want to say, Alex, I, I hope you enjoy the podcast, mate, and uh, enjoy the game. You're a very lucky boy to, to have your first away match as a Champions League match in Roma. That is quite special, and I'm sure you'll never forget it. So have a great time and keep your old man company. I'm sure you will. Uh, Seb, over to you. Yeah, no, Alex, hope you enjoy uh, the game tomorrow. Hopefully we'll, we can bring the three points and, uh, yeah, enjoy enjoy, enjoy the, the atmosphere. It's, it's, a, it's a great city. Enjoy the, the food and the drink. And, and the, don't the, buy the... a half-and-half half scarf. Yeah, don't do and all... <laughs> No, don't buy yeah, a half And, and also, half I... I I, I suggest don't walk over the bridge going to the, the stadium, get a bus or something, because it's quite no, well-known for yeah. things. 
it can be a bit naughty, the bridge. Yeah. yeah. Avoid that. I mean, I'm not going. I mean, I presume none of us are going, are we, tomorrow? Otherwise, we wouldn't we wouldn't be here, would we? But, Seb, you've been out to Rome, haven't you? Uh, yeah, I've been to Rome. I went to Madrid for the first, well, the uh, kind of weeks ago. I did think about going to Rome, but obviously, um, having only just come back from holiday, I thought it would be a bit um, a bit harsh on my bank balance to, to go out again. But, um, mm. no, I've, I've been to Rome. It's a lovely place, and... Um, no, I'm ho- hopefully. Where's a good place for where, where's a good place for them to find fellow Chelsea supporters tomorrow? Do you think? Well, I think all the the main the main plazas are the the sort of best areas really to. I think to... they've just overhauled the Trevi Fountain and it should have water back in it, so it should look very pretty and sparkly. And for Alex, there there is an ice cream shop right next to the fountain. Actually, it's a chain, so you'll find them throughout the city called Blue Ice. They are the best gelato in Rome, and make sure you get at least three scoops. Marvellous. Marvellous. And uh, so, Seb, you reckon the main main pubs around the main plaza yeah. are where where the Chelsea will be meeting? Yeah, at? I think yeah. I think because it's quite I think it's quite good weather tomorrow as well. So I think most people will be outside in the plazas with their flags. You you can't miss them. Everyone will have their flags out and everything. So and you'll hear them as well. That's the thing. Just follow the follow the sound yeah. of carefree. Follow the noise. Follow the carefree music sound. No doubt you'll you'll bump into people. Sadly, you know, to my knowledge, there are no fan casters going out uh, to, the, to the match, which is a great shame. But I'm I'm poor and I have to work, and I can't get out of work for these midweek matches. I'm afraid. But Alex and Andy have a great time. Thank you so much for a wonderful, wonderful email. Um, and uh, we wish you. Oh, by the way, uh, Paul Crowder said it's Piazza, not Plaza. He is quite right. Oh, sorry. Now we do love receive. Yes, uh, we we all stand corrected, Paul. Now we we do love uh, getting your emails. We'll always read them out as you know, uh, no matter how long uh, it means the show is. One day you'll send in a hundred, and we'll be well stuffed. But uh, it'll never happen. Um, anyway, uh, do uh, do send them in. But if you are going to send them in, uh, do so before Monday. Otherwise, they won't make the cut. And of course, the email address is chelseafancast at gmail.com. Right, uh, that I'm afraid is all we've got time for this week, uh, and we'll be uh, we'll be back next Monday, October the th- uh, no, that's uh, today. <laughs> uh, we'll be back next. We'll be back next Monday. <laughs> oh dear, schoolboy error. We'll be back next Monday, which I believe is November the sixth. There you go, at seven o'clock. And as always, I'll be joined by uh, J.K. Norrie, also known as Jonathan Kidd. Uh, we've got Mark, we've got Mark Worrell and Liam Toomey in for what what promises to be an ESPN Writers Special. Always great to have Marco on the show, who I love like you wouldn't believe. And uh, Liam Toomey's a great favourite of mine. He's a bloody good journalist too. So uh, we will all be looking back at the Roma and the uh, Man United games, of course. And of course, don't forget before that, uh, this Thursday, uh, Kerry Dixon and I will be talking about uh, the Roma match as well and uh, previewing the United match. So that'll be worth a listen sometime on Thursday. And of course, the eagle-eyed among you would have noticed the superb efforts from Mr. Leon, or Gion Carbis, as we should say, uh, who's been up in our game on the Chelsea Fancast website. I hope you're all enjoying... Uh, our lovely uh, articles and stuff, many of which Lee Hion writes himself. There are other contributors, like a Blue Up North, and there's somebody called a girl who likes balls. Oh, she's shit. She occasionally writes for us. <laughs> she's brilliant. She's a genius. But I have to say one thing to... Uh, I mean, I know she's not here tonight. I mean, we have her, her alter ego, Alex, in the house. But uh, could you tell the girl who likes balls that when she puts up her fantastic articles on our website, could she press the button, that's the, the Twitter button, Actually, that's not going to work because it'll just go on your account. Oh, okay. Okay. Text me when text me when you get them, and I'll get up off my ass and do them. That's probably the best thing to do. No. Anyway, enough of that. Uh, just yes, check out uh, the ChelseaFanCast.com website, and of course, don't forget to check out our Twitter at ChelseaFanCast and the Facebook page, which is Facebook.com forward slash Chelsea 
Fancast. Now, uh, you can follow the show, as I said, at Chelsea Fancast, me at Stanford Chid, Jonathan at Jonathan Kidd, Alex at CFCGWLB, and Seb at Seb O'Mahony. And uh, that, my friends, is about all we've got time for this week. In fact, we're about 15 minutes over all we've got time for this week. Uh, but before we go, um, I have to inform you, uh, particularly you, Jonathan, that um, apparently Lady Bracknell has been on the fan cast. Uh, and apparently Bob a says, Bob Usray says, no, a handbag. Uh, and Bob says, no, are you being served has been shown here. And Shed in Seattle says, yes, I am quite familiar with Mrs. Slocum's pussy. <laughs> uh, at which point I need a bit of silence for, for this from Paul. Paul has sent us one of these, and this is to you, Shed N Seattle. Hey you thank you. There you go. More sound effects from Mr. Paul Crowder. You get everything on this show. Brilliant. Um, Jonathan, plug? as always. Plug, plug for my video. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Very quickly. Very, very quickly. Uh, if you go to my website, jonathankid.com, my uh, Halloween video, My Baby's Possibly a Vampire, is up there. And it would be, uh, be nice if you could have a look, because it's, uh, it's quite silly. So, and it's uh, a song I've written, and it's um, me singing it with my band. And, um, uh, uh, yeah, thank you. Thank you for that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's, uh, it's jonathankid.com, J-O-N-A-T-H-A-N-K-Y-D-D.com. Just go there, and it's on the homepage. My baby's possibly a vampire. It's brilliant. Thank you very much. It's very funny. He's he's a very, very clever man, and we're very lucky to have him. Jonathan, as always, a huge pleasure having you on the show. Thank you for your humongous efforts tonight. It's been brilliant. Thank you, Noah. Joy, as always. always. Excellent company, as always. And may lovely I say, stuff. Chief, what a lovely interview you did with Alan, Alan Hudson. Very good. Thank very you. Well no, I, I, I enjoyed it immensely, as you, as you, as you can only imagine. Right, uh, Seb, as always, a pleasure to have you on the show. We must have a beer, young man. It's been way too yeah, long. Yeah, no, it's been, it's been good to be back on the show. And, yeah, well, I'm sure we'll have... Well, in your case, it'll be uh, whatever a non-alcoholic drink on Sunday, then. Yeah, afraid so. Yeah, I, this, I hate Sunday night. See, basically, because I got so busy with work down here now, I have to drive back on a Sunday if we've got a Sunday game, and I can't even make Wednesday games, which is an absolute nightmare. But thankfully, I'll be at the Atletico Madrid game, and if we get Bournemouth on a Tuesday, I'll be at that one too. But it's a bit grim. I'm saving up my days that I can bunk out of work for when we get into the quarterfinals and the semifinals of the Champions League, because I am, as ever, an optimist. Um, but brilliant to see you, Seb. Thanks so much for joining us. And last, but by no means least, uh, the lovely, delightful Alexandra Churchill, also known as the girl who likes woo, balls. You woo, have, woo, woo. as always, been fantastic. Can woo, you woo, even woo, hear me? Because Bertie has the microphone in his mouth and he's pulling the headphones off like shut up just end it yeah time to go home <laughs> Bertie Bertie's Bertie Bertie speaks the truth uh Alex brilliant thank you so much we'll see Pleasure. you oh, you're on with Tony in a few weeks oh, I, really? I look forward to that awesome I will save myself yes, yes 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 yeah just before you go away so you can get away with murder yes. right we got to go because we've been uh we've been outstaying our welcome uh, to everybody who's been listening tonight in Mixler you are legends it's been great fun talking to you uh, particularly Paul for his sound effects. Uh, we need to get Paul on the show at some stage as well, actually. I'm sure we can fix that up. Right, thank you for listening. See you next time. Until then, keep it blue, keep it carefree, and keep it chels. Up the chills! It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. 
You've got your McNuggets share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com.